0: You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you for a special couple of episodes to do with everybody's favourite female video game character. Maybe she's your favourite video game camera- character in general, I don't know, we haven't really polled our listener, but we are here to talk about, today at least, uh, the very first film adaptation of Lara Croft Tomb Raider with the film Lara Croft Tomb Raider as we get prepared for the new reboot of Tomb Raider. They removed the Lara Croft on it. I don't know. I'm so excited to talk about this film today. Uh, at least 50% of us today will be thrilled to talk about this. <laughs> my name is Ben, and I don't think I've ever seen something so beautiful that I know so little about.
1: And my name is Colin, and my bum's gone to sleep again. All down the left cheek. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, that actually happens to me because this new chair that I'm sitting on at my new place is wood and it's kind of annoying. <laughs> so I feel for Bryce. Um, I, I am like beyond excited to talk about this film. <laughs> um,
1: I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> like,
0: this is, this is just, ah, oh, so much background with this movie. Just so excited. And I have not seen this probably in a few years and just watching this again. I'm like, ah, oh, this bit, ah, oh, this bit, this bit. Like, just so many memories come flooding back and, I'll be absolutely honest with you, like, I was probably more excited to watch this one again and cover this one today than I am to see the new Tomb Raider. So, <laughs> oh my. I, I have an absolute weird obsession love with this film. Um, and I feel that this is going to be the first time in a long time that you and I really are going to be at, um, odds with each other because I think you're the complete opposite of me with this movie.
1: Yeah, um. <laughs> So, there's a lot of good things about Titanic that I didn't appreciate about six months ago. Like, this movie is complete garbage. Complete, complete, complete garbage. It's just, it's not even a movie. Like, there's nothing there. It's, there's so many things I'm so confused about. Like, how they spent so much money and got so little out of it. And, uh, I mean, I was a big fan of the the first few video games, the first three or four video games, I guess all the like original PlayStation ones. And I mean, I was excited when they heard they were making a Tomb Raider movie. Um, then when they cast Angelina Jolie, I wasn't too happy because I wasn't a huge fan of hers. Uh, I, I, I'm sure everybody who you know was alive in the 90s, at least under the age of you know 20 or even 15, saw the movie Hackers and. I might be the only person alive during the 90s who absolutely hated that movie, uh, and then she was in the movie Girl Interrupted, which you know, my mom was a big fan of it, but I couldn't stand her. She was so over the top in that and annoying, and I just, I wasn't excited as soon as she was cast, but I, I went into it with open mind, and it's just garbage! Boo! I mean, when I was waiting to record this, you know, Jamie was giving our our baby Casper a bath, and Let's just put it gently. Casper pinched a turd underwater, and <laughs> I mean, I was more comfortable cleaning up after that than I was watching this.
0: Wow, I believe that's going to make the uh, the fifteenth or the twentieth anniversary DVD cover uh, more comfortable cleaning up a baby's turd than watching this movie. <laughs> Um, ah, oh, this is going to be a fun episode then. I love episodes where we're complete, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, I mean, just a, I guess a real quick, like, background in terms of us with this film and maybe just slightly on the video games, because we are obviously here to, you know, I guess celebrate the Tomb Raider franchise as we get into the new film. Um, but I mean, yeah, I was similar to you, was a big fan of the video games, you know, I mean, I was, you know, 10 or so when these came out and, you know, hitting that glorious age where I would go on to, you know, obviously mistreat women until 2018 when apparently, you know, we're not allowed to do that anymore. That's a joke, people. That's a joke. Um, although I did try to find the nude raider cheat a lot uh, back when <laughs> I was... As all, like, 12-year-olds did in 1999 when they discovered that was a thing. Um But, yeah, so when this movie came out, like, just absolutely, you know, so excited for it. My friend in high school was just the biggest Angelina Jolie fan, so, you know, we saw this. I think we only saw it once, but, you know, when it came out on DVD, we would just watch this religiously, like, you know, daily, and then just... We would just quote this to death, and, like, just the most pointless quotes like we would legitimately every day at least five times be like well then time to save the universe then is it absolutely and like every single time somebody would say the word absolutely we would just look at each other and go absolutely like you know, it's just like little things like that or like we would just be walking around also like they're stealing my bloody clock um, just like just the most stupidest lines i know you said you did that with your brother with certain films but like you know it's just one of these yeah. ones where we just said the most stupidest things uh, and we'd be like, Bryce, don't start. Um, just things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, look, I love Angelina Jolie at this period of her career. I've, I've waned a lot on her recently just because she's, I don't think, as attractive and as interesting as she once was. This is her bad girl phase. You know, um, this is, I swear these are the two movies when we do this in the sequel that this really, uh, got her, um, I guess adopting little kids from around the world because she visits like every continent and comes into contact with all this. I think we'll point out a lot of these, you know, Oh, there's a little girl in Cambodia. That's her now daughter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, just completely obsessed with this film when it was out. I've got the official movie companion, which I didn't bring up with me here to Queensland, which I, I'm sad. And of course, this is a movie that I would, what, reference 10,000 times on 007, now available to iTunes, because it was the only thing I knew Daniel Craig from when he was, um, announced as James Bond. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I've watched this movie now twice in the last 16, 17 years, and (laughs) I wasn't aware there was anything quotable in this movie. (laughs) There's just, there's nothing here. It's it's just bland. It's lifeless. It it barely resembles Tomb Raider. Um, I I will say, at least with Angelina Jolie, I'm kind of the opposite opinion of you. Not that I appreciate her now with, you know, uh, I guess as a personality, but... I'm going to complain a lot in this movie about her inexperience as an action star and how it really hurts this movie. And I think she kind of grew into that in a way that where, where I learned to appreciate, like especially I think the three action movies she made post uh Tomb Raider franchise, Mr. And Mrs. Smith wanted and salt. Uh, I thought she got better in each one of those. And in particular Salt, I just think she's fantastic. But here it's just, it's, it's just mistake after mistake after mistake. And, I'd love to say, oh, it's the director's fault or whatever. But, like, she won an Academy Award two years prior to this. If she can't learn that you actually need to make any facial expression when you get punched in the face or show any emotion whatsoever in order to sell that you're an action star, like, like, give back the Oscar. Oh, this this movie's just a disaster. Oh, we, we, we're going to get into this. We're going to disagree so
0: much because I'm going to talk up how amazing I think she is as an action star. And I'm going to, like, bring oh, forward the fact please. that – and I just want to say this now because I'm sure you're going to disagree with me. Like you know, we're in an age right now. We're talking things like Wonder Woman. How great it is to kind of have like you know this female led action movie where you know there's hardly anything sort of pointed out about the fact that she's a woman. I think this film, like you, like there's so much about this that <laughs> Don't... I. What? Oh. <laughs> oh, we're gonna have a fun debate on that one. The feminist voice of the Oz Network is speaking, Colin. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't know, but like, the one thing I, I was interested in kind of reading about all the casting of all this and, you know, the people that were in the running for this, you know, Catherine Cedar Jones, Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta admit though, like, some of those people I think would have been, like, Jennifer Lopez is Lara Croft, no thank you. Um, I, I just think, I will say this about Angeline Jolie, like, I just think she looks the part. And I think what's interesting, kind of what we're gonna discuss no doubt in the lead up to the reboot, is the fact that, you know, she, she really, I think, became the image of this version of the franchise because not only is the movie franchise getting rebooted, the, the game franchise got rebooted in 2013. So the new film is really taking a leaf from the rebooted one, which is brilliant. The the rebooted game was fantastic. I got it, played it all within a weekend, just absolutely loved it. But I think kind of for the era of this video game, I think she fits it because the, the, the Lara Croft character didn't have a lot of, I mean, she had personality, but, you know, it was kind of all about the look, but she was badass and she kind of still was, you know, charismatic and everything along the way. And I think that, I don't know, I just think Angelina Jolie suits it very, very well. And um it's interesting reading a lot of the articles sort of in the lead up to this new one. Uh, you know, there was, I think Entertainment Weekly it was, uh, did sort of a retrospective where they interviewed Simon West about this film and kind of everything about it. And it's, it's a fascinating read, kind of just, you know, he, fought, him fighting for Angelina, Angelina Jolie, um, talking up how he thought this film was very kind of forward for women in action movies, but it just didn't take off as much as, say, Wonder Woman would do 17 years later, so. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to kind of think what it did uh, for all that. And we should also mention, I mean, this really was the movie and, you know, the sequel. I mean, Angelina Jolie was a star. I mean, she was obviously an Academy Award winner. She, you know, right was... Uh, <laughs> okay, you're not a fan. We get it. Um She made out with a no, brother. I mean- <laughs> she had blood around her neck from Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, but I think you know this is often the film, and these are the ones that really put her out there as an absolute blockbuster a list star. You know whether or not these films were super successful or not. I mean, this really sold Angelina Jolie to the audience who maybe weren't familiar with her beforehand.
1: I, I just I I hate when people say Angelina Jolie is ever a star because <laughs> oh,
0: they, come know, honestly, on. Well, look
1: no, here's the thing: she is she famous? Yes. Does she have a lot of people who are interested in her because she's in magazines and in media? Yes, but. Has she ever had a hit movie? I mean, the only movies she's ever made that made any money were Mr. and Mrs. Smith and the Tomb Raider movies. And the Tomb Raider movies, nobody really likes them. I mean, you could say Gone in 60 Seconds. She's in that movie. She's in the movie for 60 seconds. Every other movie she's made, like, she may have one of the worst track records at box office of any actor of this time period, and yet she was always labeled a star, but nothing she put out ever even opened to the top five.
0: Yeah, but there's a handful of actors you could list that, though. Like, think of a bunch of other A-listers, you know. I mean, Megan Fox is famous. What has she ever done? (laughs) Um... I don't know. That was but a bad example.
1: She's only had one <laughs> role. I mean, well, let me just run through the list of what surrounded the Tomb Raider movies here, okay? um Original Sin.
0: You say a naked life or
1: something like it. Beyond Borders, <laughs> Taking Lives, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, Alexander, and then you get Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You have half a decade and not a single hit movie. And this was like the peak of her fame. Like, she was famous, yes. Was she ever successful as a movie star? No.
0: It's interesting to think they're also coming into this because obviously, you know, she won the Oscar, but she, I mean, I know you are going to laugh at this because obviously golden globes don't count for shit. But like, she won three golden globes <laughs> before she mm. got an Academy Award, but, um, Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing I was actually thinking watching this film, like, what has she done recently? I don't think I've seen her in much recently. I mean, does she still act since she got divorced? I don't know. Um. I mean,
1: she, she got into directing.
0: Right. Um,
1: so now she's all important and making, you know, movies as a director that nobody wants to pay to see. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look, I'll, 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 don't worry, Angelina Jolie fans. I'll be the one to defend her in this because I, you know. She's just yeah. Anyway. But we should get into this. Uh this is gonna be a fun episode. Uh Simon you got West a ninety
1: minutes told me.
0: Simon West just quickly. Uh I mean, you know, uh he did oh, Conair, yeah. uh Black Hawk Down. I know he was the director in that one. Uh and obviously General's um, Daughter. Yeah, General's Daughter. He went on to The Expendables 2. Uh I'm seeing here he actually did an episode. I don't know if you ever watched the show Human Target. That was actually I really enjoyed that show when that used yeah. to be on uh, so I mean you know he's got experiences, and I think kind of both these films, like obviously uh with what jean de Jean de bont or whatever you say his name is uh you know doing the sequel, so I mean both these films have you know esteemed action directors doing them, but uh you're obviously not blaming Simon West for anything garbage that's happening in this film
1: no i mean uh, okay i c you can kind of excuse the movie it feels very rushed, and it feels like they didn't have a script they had filmed it too late so there was no time to really fix it in editing or reshoots or anything like that. I can't really fault him because he's made decent movies and there's going to be people out there saying, you know, he just makes cheesy action movies. Yeah, but he's made good cheesy action movies. Like Con Air, it is about as cheesy as it gets. It is as dumb as it gets. It is made for 12-year-olds like this movie, but at least it has fun moments, fun characters, some decent action. None of the action in this movie really stands out to the level of Con Air. I mean, General's daughter has a decent story there. Um, uh, what of the mechanic with Jason Statham? That's a that's a decent action movie. Expendables two, you know, not the worst Expendables movie. It's pretty good. <laughs> so he's had success, and everything that's wrong in this movie, I can really only blame on maybe just the studio pushing it too quickly.
0: Mm. Well, we'll get to that. And just quickly, I should mention, obviously, John Voigt, uh, Angelina Jolie's real life dad, back when they used to talk, is in this movie. Back in the days when I used to get John Voigt and Christopher Walken confused, don't ask, I apparently did. What? Um, I, Ian Glenn, who I've got lots to say about, Noah Taylor, a esteemed Australian, and a little actor, don't know if we've heard of him, don't know what he's gone on to since, uh, Daniel Craig. Um, uh. heard of what he's done since, I don't know. I heard he was
1: great and Logan Lucky, not sure what else he's known for. <laughs> yes.
0: Anyway, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on Daniel Craig in this movie. <laughs> uh- <laughs> so, we start off, uh, we get an eye, it's great, um, and we just sort of get an opening scene of L- Lara Croft fighting a robot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm sure you are already going to be ripping into this. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, I I actually enjoy this whole opening bit of her just fighting this robot. I just, uh, you talk about like the facial expressions that I just kind of love the little quirks she has, like her little head tilts and the way she kind of just, you know, is so, I don't know how the word is, it's not charismatic, it's cocky, I guess, just the way she kind of is in her fight scenes. And that's what I really like about it. To me, she's a badass and that's what Lara Croft should be. And that's obviously going to be the difference between what we're going to see here and next week and to what we're going to see in the new one because the new Lara Croft is vulnerable. She's, she's crashed on an island. You know, she's, it's the origin of Lara Croft. So this is kind of confident Lara Croft already knowing what she's like if you've ever played the video games. So. She basically has this big opening action sequence with this, uh, robot thing and then essentially we find out that it is a, uh, training program. She rips out the, uh, the very Ford technology of mini discs because that's what was going to take over in the early 2000s. I remember when mini-discs were a thing. When I first started in radio, that was like, have you got a mini-disc? We've got a mini-disc player. It's all new. And it's like, ooh. Um,
1: I had one of
0: those. Yeah, oh, God, I think I had one for, like, two seconds and then USB took over. Um, but I. one thing I will say about this film, I absolutely love the soundtrack. This is one of my favourite movie soundtracks. This is one of the first soundtracks I ever got, and I just listened to this to death. Um, so I like it when she kind of puts it in and we get like speedball and playing and look, as much as you hate this movie, Colin, can you not say bad words about Bryce and Hillary? They are awesome. Come on. Her little crew at the mansion, <sighs> live rounds again. <laughs> Just come on.
1: Yeah. I mean, they are, I guess, the fun characters of this movie. Cause th- that's, not saying much I, I, nothing against them, but there are no other fun characters in this movie, <laughs> so I guess they're okay they're they're very underutilized though
0: i well in the second one, God, when we get to that, I always forget they're in the second one, but um I just love all three of them. They're sort of like their chemistry off each other. I fucking love Hillary. Just the fact that his name's Hillary as well. <laughs> um, but Noah Taylor, of course, is Australian. Uh, absolutely love him. Um, he's so good. He's been in lots of things here, but, uh, he also went on, he's, he's had a fairly successful career too, hasn't he, Noah Taylor? So, um, you know, lots of things there, but, um, yeah, I just kind of like this opening of you know the live rounds again, um, and you know we've got to get the obligatory shower. say, okay, let's just point out the fact where I say like you know this doesn't really focus on the fact that she's a you know a woman and kind of mention that too much. You, this bit is a little bit on the nose that you've got a sexualizer. I mean, I guess kind of at this yeah. point in time, Lara Croft was a very sexualized character sold to teenage boys in the hot pants and the nude rated cheat and all those sort of things. So I mean. I guess you're not going to have this scene in the new Tomb Raider. Let's just point that out. Um, I mean, I appreciate this scene. I like this scene <laughs> just as much as Jamie, I'm sure, likes the Daniel Craig scene and the Jared Butler scene in the next movie. But um uh-huh. I still appreciate this shower scene to look at. And then I, I kind of like where she of comes out of the shower and we get, you know, Hillary sort of with the dresses and like, a lady should be modest. And it's like, yes, a lady should be. Um. So Do you want me to cap it here? I mean, you probably want me to just cap everything there but Let's just start here and get some Colin Hilding Criticisms to start this film off with
1: Oh it'll be mostly criticisms Okay so why is she fighting Robocop In the first 30 <laughs> seconds of this movie? It's good stuff Graves <laughs> uh, It's just What bothers me the most is that There there are no laws of physics here Okay and, and there's no logic To it she constructs A robot to try to kill her. That could kill her. This thing is incredibly powerful. It can burst through a wall, but it is no match for her upper body strength in an arm wrestling match. Because that's when it comes out that she just wrestles this thing to the ground. It can burst through walls. Like, how strong are we supposed to believe this woman is? And this is my complaint about her as an action hero here. There's no realism. And this is, this is one of my biggest pet peeves. And I understand the reason why. And we talked about this with Black Panther. You know, a lot of people are like, well, Black Panther's so good. And we're like, it was kind of an okay movie, but, you're reaching an audience who doesn't feel like they've ever been represented in a genre before. So I can understand people being like, Oh, Laura Croft, I've never seen a woman be this tough before. But you, you still have to apply the same rules that apply to a man as an action star. And if people hate the idea of superhero Arnold Schwarzenegger, who's unstoppable and, you know, never bleeds and never, grunts and n- never struggles at anything and he's just superman plowing through everything on the planet then the same complaint should apply to a female action hero and that's the problem i have with her here said nothing hurts this woman in this movie and there are gonna be lots of parts of the movie i'm gonna complain but sh- she's never even winded she will be doing the most superhero human things on the planet and she won't even be like breathing deeply and I don't feel like you could, you can watch or take an action hero seriously that is this over the top strong and superhuman. She wrestled a freaking transformer to the ground in 30 seconds.
0: (laughs) I mean, I I I get get what he's saying, but at the end of the day, too, this is a video game character. And then, like, if you base a video game when you're playing this as You know, if this is a video game, you're just going to lose a couple of health bars every now and then, so, you know...
1: Jean-Claude Van Damme was more vulnerable in Street Fighter the movie seven years earlier than this than she is. Because
0: he was with Kylie Minogue, anyone's going to be vulnerable (laughs) around her.
1: But, But here's the thing, when we get to the second movie, and I'm not going to have a lot of praise for the second movie, but... There was a huge improvement with Angelina Jolie in the second movie. And this is what I'll just relate to in experience as an action star. And it's not just her, you know, as a female action star. The Rock made the same mistake. When you take somebody who has no experience in an action movie, throw them to something this heavy – now, I remember watching The Scorpion King and thinking, hmm. why is constipation the only expression he has on his face? Hmm. And that's really all we get from her here. I mean, the, the moments you mentioned, I will agree with you. There are moments where she's kind of charming when she's not being the action hero. When she's action hero, it's either constipation expression or no expression whatsoever. And it doesn't get you into the action. It, it actually takes you out of the action. Um The one thing I will say, though, past this op- ridiculous opening fight scene that makes no sense... Uh the house looks great. I mean this oh, is yes. the house from the video games. Yes. And the only thing I was missing is I wanted that pool because I would spend probably fifty <laughs> percent of my time playing this game, just jumping in another pool and the then butler. coming up and harassing the Yeah, harassing the butler. Yeah. <laughs> <Farted>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's I, that's I probably with every teenage boy. Yeah, that's what every teenage boy spent was of
0: Ooh, you always like, made those grunty noises when you read it. Too. I tried to find.
1: It's been so long since I played the game, I wanted to find a YouTube clip of it. <laughs> but
0: Cause I it couldn't find it. It was that training course. It would walk around, and that had the pool in it because you'd do the training. And you would just bump into the guy, and you would go, oh, ooh, ooh, pfft, oh, oh
1: pfft. <laughs> But we don't have that here because
0: this is a humorless movie with no life. Oh, come on. There's humor in this film. Oh, but, boo. It
1: just looks like that, from the video games, which I appreciate that at the very least.
0: Are you going to comment um, on the shower scene just because I know, like, we get Jamie? <laughs> oh, shirtless, shirtless. Come on. We're men here. We get shirtless Angelina Jolie, um, sort of side boob. Again,
1: again, I'm not really a fan, oh. even, even just on a track, I'm not really a fan of Angelina Jolie. Um,. I will just comment on what you said, like, you know, oh, this is not something we're going to have in the new movie. And there's going to be a lot of people out there saying, you know, th- this was chauvinistic men just uh sexualizing women. You just said it yourself. There are two men in this movie and the next one who get equal treatment.
0: Mm, Daniel more. Craig. i more.
1: Yeah, even more. You see more of the men in this movie. This wasn't a thing about, you know, um sexualizing a woman or objectifying a woman this is just action movies. This is all of them. I mean, I don't think there were a lot of women out there who were like watching Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger in the eighties, the way that women are watching Daniel Craig or Gerard Butler now. But those guys were like bare nude in 90% of their movies. So this has always been a thing in action movies is just, you're appealing to an audience that wants something cheap. So it's what you do. So I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with it. Um, I mean, I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> it's, It's you know a little bit better than the Daniel Craig scene that we're going to get a little bit later, but I'm just (laughs) not a fan of hers. Yeah, that's all I really have to say on the shower scene.
0: The one thing I'll say though, which I I appreciate this, and it's kind of weird to think that. I mean, there's so many parts of this movie that I feel dated that it's 2001. You know, uh, some of the special effects just do not hold up, Um, and I think. uh, and I think they get progressively worse two years later in 2003. The shark? I mean, come on. Um, but I still feel, and like, I know you're gonna probably laugh at me when I say this, that this film was ahead of its time in many aspects with the females in action lead, because you gotta look at it, right? No romantic story, okay, Daniel Craig sort of, but it's kind of, it's, it's there like as a passing. They kind of take a bit of a leaf differently two years later for Gerard Butler, but even then it's kind of not the main purpose of it. Uh, I think the fact that it's barely even referenced that she's a woman. And, like, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm not seeing this really as, you know, oh, it's a woman. It's kind of like Wonder Woman. Like, you know, you're just kind of seeing this as a person being an action hero. And this scene aside, like, I again, I appreciate this scene for many reasons, but I don't know, I just kind of, the way they do that weird slow mo with the hair flicking back, you know, it's kind of like, okay, like, that's a bit on the nose. But I don't know, I just, I think that they could have so sexualized her so much more in this film and i think maybe i i'm, I'm going to put that down to angelina jolie cuz i just think she has a natural charisma and sort of attractiveness about it that you don't need to go over the top with oh here's her on top of a guy he's her constantly shirtless cuz i just think that she's got that sex appeal about her that you don't need to oversell it like that's just my opinion of how it's- angelina jolie oozes that appeal so i i kind of think that's where i think these movies uh, don't get enough credit for what they do, sort of that female action star side of things. Because whether they're a good or a bad movie or not, I think it's important to note that in this day and age when we have to note all these all the time, you know, strong female lead, that this is 17 years ago. And this is where, to me, this film feels current into what today we're seeing with females in these type of roles.
1: I mean, I'm going to disagree in that. that I don't think she was a strong female lead. I think that she was a ridiculous (laughs) female lead in a ridiculous movie. But at least it was like one of the first of its kind, you can say. Um, part of the problem is that, uh, just before I get to the, the problem I have with her being like revolution or whatever, uh, you know, the idea of it not being over sexualized. I don't think that's an Angelina Jolie thing. I think that, you know, she definitely brought the, even though I'm not a fan of her, she brought the sex appeal the, the the character had in the video games, uh, that it was partly famous for. Um, without having to really overdo it, but why we're not getting a lot of shower scenes, I think a lot of that has to do with they were they were really trying to stick with the image of the character. I mean, if you look at the poster for this movie, you cut her head off, or even if you squint your eyes, you think you're looking at the cover of one of the video games. And it was the same thing with the second one. I think they spent most of this movie making sure in every single shot, no matter what she's wearing or what she's doing, she looks like Lara Croft. I agree. And Laura Croft outside of, you know, Nude Raider, as you said, (laughs) which I only found out existed (laughs) about two hours ago. You have no uh, no childhood, do you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But outside of that, I mean, the the image is this woman in the the short shorts, you know, the guns uh, and the tank top or whatever. Uh, Now, my complaint with why I think this gets a little bit lost is because, what was the release date of this movie? Was it in June? Uh, Yes, June. Okay, so June to July, somewhere around there. Three months later, a TV show debuts called Alias that does everything this movie does, but does it better with real character development. And they do it in a way the same way that we praise Wonder Woman doing. In this movie, they are writing her and filming her, and anytime she's in action, the same way they film a guy. And you can't do that. And this isn't a thing about, you know, Men, you know, women can do the same thing men can do. You can't. There's there's differences between men and women, and there's ways that you're supposed to present them, which is why Wonder Woman's so great because Patty Jenkins said there are certain things that they keep trying to do with you know female action heroes, and they're either making them too masculine or they're making them over the top feminine. And there's that that delicate balance in the middle. And Alias, three months later, did this so well, and the way that they did the action with that with Jennifer Garner was so much better you know, she had a character, she was, you know, more charismatic, more charming, uh, more attractive, and did everything Lara Croft did, but just in a realistic way, and even though, I mean, Alias was never, like, this enormous hit show, I think maybe maybe it had a little bit of success because this came out a few months earlier, but it's not like a lot of people were talking when it came out and saying, oh, it's like Tomb Raider. I remember when it came out, everybody was saying, it's like James Bond, but a woman, uh, when really it's more like Mission Impossible with a woman, but like nobody was making the Lara Croft comparison. So I don't know if I, I think alias got a lot of the credit that maybe this movie could have had three months earlier if it had been a better movie.
0: Interesting. I never was an alias fan. I just, just couldn't get into it. I just got lost every three episodes. Oh she's evil. No, she's not. Oh yeah, she's okay, oh cool, whatever. Um
1: you were too busy quoting Bryson Hillary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So so every every kid should have been in two thousand and one. You know, it was, a, it was a difficult time in the world, Colin. I think nothing bad happened in 2001. actually did it. No. Uh, so, uh, yeah. In
1: June, at least. It was, it was a light and friendly no, wait, no, year. Something terrible <laughs> happened. They made. This as the adaptation of Lara Croft Tomb Raider.
0: (laughs) We need to one time do like a video games month and kind of look at other video games movies. And I swear that you'll think this is like an Academy Award winner compared to, you know, other films. Uh. (laughs) Like, come on. Um, Anyway, so we meet our uh, villain of the film. Uh, We kind of get to see this Illuminati scene. Um, Ian Glenn uh, playing the esteemed uh, Manfred Powell. And one of my favourite random characters in this film, Mr Pims, like the beverage. Uh, <laughs> who? Let's be honest, him and Mr Powell are a couple. I'm sorry, they are.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's Mr Winton, Mr Kidd, Yeah,
0: 2001. They're <laughs> such a couple. Uh, um, he's a associate. He's a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> so, but we uh, you find know what they say about lawyers? Yeah, they're they're all got associates. Um. <laughs> <laughs> So we find out that they're trying to find a key, uh, that there's going to be an alignment. This happens every 5,000 years. They're running out of time. They're searching for where this key will be. Uh, and Manfred Powell, we'll have our answer soon. And kind of as he says, who is this guy, this Illuminati guy who gives me the shits? The way he's like, you have one week and holds his finger up because that makes it evil. Um, as much as I love this film, I, I'm sure you'll bring it up. There is some acting in this film which really is shit. Uh, some acting you're gonna say that Um, but i do like it when they sort of walk out and mr pib's like we're not ready are we no Uh, um, but this is um okay so the most quotable line in the history of movies about sand is from attack of the clones (laughs) i don't like sand it's coarse rough irritating gets everywhere right okay But a year before that was ever, ever released, this, to me, was the most quotable scene about sand. My friend Trent and I quoted the shit out of this scene. When he gets it's like, it's adventure time, Lara. Ready to go. Egypt again. It's nothing but pyramids and sand. Yes. Gets everywhere. In the cracks. Spanish galleon. Just what you like that all the time and i remember when the attack of the clone scene happened i'm like hey it's the lara croft scene <laughs> i'm so
1: sorry that you had such a depressing childhood that this was eventful for you
0: that's a change colin i'm sitting here doing a podcast with you thinking i'm funny <laughs> nothing's changed in 17 years come on Uh I just love. I love Hillary. I just love Hillary so much. Chris Barry, uh who is the esteemed Chris Barry? I-, I don't know. Are you familiar with Chris Barry outside of your two viewings of Tomb Raider? He was in Red Dwarf. Apparently, there you go.
1: Uh- <laughs> Never seen Red Dwarf. I'm actually trying to find his filmography here, and I can't even find it.
0: <laughs> D- does he exist? He was embarrassed after being in Tomb Raider, so he does not. <laughs> oh, he has an official website.
1: Um, well, yeah. So. He is, I love IMDB. He is known for Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Red Dwarf. So we've covered him. We
0: covered them. Uh, it was in, he's basically the quintessential English actor who's been in like Midsummer Murders. When evil calls. <laughs> like, it's like when you see an Australian actor. Home and away. Neighbours. <laughs> um, oh, ChrisBarry.co.uk looks pretty good. You can hire him for speaking events and hosting. Um, oh, there's even Frequently even Asked Questions. Uh, he can sub in for me, so I don't have to talk about this anymore. Well, on Frequently Asked Questions, Colin, I'm sure you've always wanted to know if he would like to do more stand-up comedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why wasn't Julius and John in the last series? Is there anything about Tomb Raider here on the Frequently Asked Questions? Um, How did you first get into voices? <laughs>
1: How did you get into
0: voices? I started talking I heard when one I was one little. Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, that seems like a good way of communicating, I thought, to myself. I reckon we could get him on the show. He'd probably, like, ring up right... Oh, his phone number. Oh, no, it's his agent. Never mind. We could have just called him live <laughs> on air. Hello, Hillary. I mean, Chris, how are you? Um. But, uh, yes, yeah, so she doesn't want to go to Egypt, basically, Um, We find out it's the 15th of May And I will say as much as I love Angelina Jolie This is terrible acting When she's like, it's never a good day (laughs) When she's talking about the 15th Academy Award winner Angelina Jolie, ladies and gentlemen Who does sound amazing in a British accent I will not hear a bad word what you say about her in a British accent Um Oh, shut up! Uh, <laughs> it's slightly better than Daniel Craig's American accent? Yeah. Not saying much? Good call. Uh, Daniel Craig definitely improved when he, uh, went to Logan Lucky. Let's point that out. Um, so we're kind of getting a bit of flashbacks here to Lord Richard Croft, um, some little cheesy flashbacks with little Lara Croft, and we hear that, don't we? That wouldn't stop. Little Lara Croft! I don't like that stupid. Um, and then we have, uh, the, referencing the eclipse. So this is all the setup for this movie that basically there's gonna be a planetary alignment happens every 5,000 years. There's gonna be an eclipse. And essentially, as we're gonna find out throughout this film, they need to find two halves of the triangles that's gonna basically come together to help them control time. And we're gonna find out there's gonna be a key here in a minute. She's having weird dreams. Mummy, I still have you, Daddy. Who is this little shit of an actor I don't like? I probably one of Angelina Jolie.
1: Yeah, that mummy was... I actually wrote
0: that. Mummy! <laughs> mummy! <laughs> I still have you, Daddy. Um, And we should point out John Voight. Uh, of course, Angelina Jolie's real-life dad, and they hate each other now, I think. They've hated each other for yeah. a long time. This is maybe one of the last times they've ever been in a film. Are you a John Voight fan at all, Colin?
1: Um... I mean, he's hit and miss. I think nowadays, like a lot of actors his age who've been famous for as long as he has, I mean, he'll get big roles, but he doesn't really care. It's kind of just for the paycheck at this point. So half the stuff he's in, I'm like, he's all right. Half the stuff he's in, he's terrible. Like Pearl Harbor. What was he doing in Pearl Harbor? What
0: about Anaconda? Tomb Raider was not
1: the worst, (laughs) Tomb Raider was not the worst performance he had in 2001. And yeah, Anaconda, nah, nah, I, you're not an Anaconda fan, are you? Never want to cover Anaconda.
0: I love Anaconda. It's one of those random ones. It's like it's a shit movie, but I actually... Why
1: (laughs) am I not surprised?
0: (laughs) Hey, Die Another Day hadn't been released until 2002, all right? Come on. (laughs) Um, Just think, Colin, the good thing about this film is that if you had seen this at the movies, Die Another Day didn't exist yet. So, like, think of the positives, Right? Um, It's going to get so much worse from this point on. Uh, so, basically, she's having these weird dreams. The one thing I, I don't understand about this plot of this film is that we get these flashbacks we've got to tie it in, because I guess that's always a Lara Croft character trait. We're gonna get this in the new movie apparently. It's the daddy issues, you know. Dad died a long time ago, so, you know, you gotta have daddy issues. That she's having these flashbacks and dreams who just happens to be the right moment. Like, how many of these things would have Lord Richard Croft told her over the years? So, like, how many of these letters is he sending to her? Like, I'm probably dead if you read this. And, like, does he get old and senile if he doesn't die and all of a sudden you get a letter? Oh shit, I should have canceled that letter, like, you know, years ago. <laughs> but, like, you know, just, she's, ha- just happens to be having a dream or a flashback to when, you know, she's mentioned, he's mentioning about the triangle and, you know, the, the triangle of life and all these sort of things. I mean, it's just a convenience thing at this point. You're probably like, oh, Ben's complaining about it, and this is the best part of the movie or something. But um,
1: I was thinking of, like, at least we're getting some story development here. <laughs> it just, uh, it's the only story development we have for the next hour and a half.
0: Anyway, well, this leads her to waking up with a knife, because that's not a knife, that's a knife. Um, she gets ticking. She busts open the expensive house's Harry Potter closet, um, to which she finds a clock. Um, and, like, you say this has got no humor. I just love the Bryce, Hillary, Lara Croft dynamic. When, like, she bashes open Bryce's door. It's like, we have 83 rooms. Why can't you live in the house? Oh, I'm a free spirit, me. What's that smell? 5am. <laughs> like I just love that. And then I love this bit when he, she, like, shows him the clock. And he's like, it's a clock. And it's like, it started ticking last night. Must be one of those ticking clocks, eh? <laughs> and then she's, What'd she say? Like, it was hidden in a room. Ooh, Bryce, don't start. <laughs> <laughs> and then the way he's just like, it ticks. It tells a time. It's wrong. <laughs> like, this whole scene is hilarious. And then Hillary comes in with the coffee. And what's he like? Your coffee, sir. Decaf latte with nose milk or whatever. It's just the look on Angelina Jolie's face. Um Essentially, this all leads to them trying to open up the clock because they see through fibre optics because they were all fresh and new in 2001. Um He has his own little um system. Screw 13 to Quadrant 4. <laughs> like, oh, please. It's my system. If I don't do this, I will stuff it up. To which Angelina Jolie gets very sexual when she busts open the clock and licks her lips because that does it for me. Um And they find a pretty fancy-looking golden... which we're going to find out's a key... Um, so, yeah, look, I'm gonna lump more into this because I know you don't really want to <laughs> slow
1: this down. I've got two, two notes so far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she gets on a motorbike, she looks great, she ignores all the traffic because that's what you do in London when you're on a motorbike and no police seem to come after her. Um, she comes into the auction house. One of my favorite scenes of this whole movie. Where I think she looks so goddamn attractive. Is when she just sits and she puts her feet up on the chair, and that guy looks at her, and she just stares at him. It <laughs> just does it. We gotta have this, you know. He, she waves at Mr. Wilson. Is it Mr. Wilson? Mr. Wilson. Um, Mr. Wilson. Hey, Mr. let's Wilson. talk about that
1: movie instead.
0: I love Dennis the Menace. Good movie. Um. And she accidentally bids for something before it gets cancelled out. We meet Daniel Craig. I wonder if he's gone into anything. Um, they have a conversation. We find out there's been a history. Daniel Craig uh, does some practicing for his Casino Royale in four years.
1: Stole, stole. Uh- <laughs> I caught that too. Sorry, sorry. Stole.
0: That's what that's what that's what got in the role is James Bond.
1: Stole, yes. stole. <laughs>
0: um, Lara walks off, and then we look at this. Um light thing and he can't help her and offers a port um let's just cap it there
1: Uh, (laughs) no No one would hate this
0: movie lots of snooty british men
1: yeah (laughs) um okay so first i love that she has the hubble telescope in her den (laughs) this thing is like the most massive telescope ever and it's just sitting there next to her recliner uh the mummy things hilarious like that. Just that kid. Oh, I knew you were going to love that kid. Mummy. Mummy! (laughs) Um, but seriously, where is any character development, any story development, any world development? Like they just drop you into this movie and it's like, they assume everybody in the audience is going to know everything about Lara Croft and tomb Raider. And the only thing we get are like these little back, um, um, flashback moments here. And those are kind of few and far between. And they don't tell you a lot either. It's like they're just there, and then they're gone, and then you forget it. And I mean, everything that does get explained in this movie, every bit of exposition we have, like the scene, is coming up later on. But the scene with, um, uh, you know, Bryce explaining uh, everything after she finds the key or whatever it is, it's, it's just like, it's so convoluted, and yet at the same time they they're like, let's take fifteen seconds to explain this because nobody really cares and nobody does care. But like, still, like, give us something to go off of. Give us something to understand what's happening in this movie. I think the um, the only thing that uh, I do kind of like here is this is gonna sound weird. The, the villain Manfred Power. Um, Powell. It basically Specter. Ma- Manfred.
0: What? Powell. P o w e l l.
1: Powell. Power. I'm gonna say Manfred Power instead. Okay.
0: Manfred Power. The uh, same Manfred Power. Yep.
1: Uh, I kind of like him and just this whole specter feel. I mean, he's way better than the villain. And I like like the actor from the second one, but he's way better than the villain we get in the second one. Uh, it's just ah, uh, nothing's <laughs> happening in this movie. And when I can't believe you actually like that scene where she puts her feet up. That's like one of my least favorite moments oh, I of the love movie. It. She looks so goddamn
0: hot in that scene.
1: Okay, but take like your teenage hormones out of it and think no. what is the purpose. <laughs> her it's just to make her seem defiant and it's just rude i mean this is bad (laughs) etiquette (laughs) look at you it's just rude (laughs) well the reason it bothers me is because this is it's it's another one of those things where in these early days of trying to make female action heroes they just went so far overboard where, you know, everything the woman did just had to be like so defiant and so rebellious, and I put my feet up at an auction house and everybody stare at me because I wear sunglasses and cross my arms and it's just too much. And she does this throughout the entire movie, except for one part, which I'll bring up later, because I picked out the one part in the movie where she suddenly becomes the world's most respectable person. Like she's supposed to be like super educated and smart. And, you know, a good people person, charming, and there's nothing charming about her when every time we see her in a scene,
0: everybody in the room hates this woman. But I... So why is she so, oh. so charming? Nobody likes her. I do. You're, you're stupid. I love this. I love that side there's of her. There's no teenage
1: boys in this movie. There's no
0: teenage boy <laughs> characters. Well, that's um, good because we're not here to see teenage boys. I think like it's kind of. I mean, I get what you're saying about the plot development and that sort of thing. I understand that. But I mean, to me, I just, this is just one of those real check your brain at the door and just enjoy it for what it is movies. It like doesn't, necess- I mean, it's based on a video game for starters. It has also, and again, let's, de- let's point out that the Tomb Raider video games didn't have a whole lot of plot development at this point in time either. you got to wait until Ooh, this a reboot. Lot more than this. Oh, well, I mean, a farting butler, like, I mean, that tells me a lot about Lara <laughs> Croft. But like, we get that brief little glimmer when Hillary's like to holding up the dresses and it's like, you know, it doesn't hurt to be a lady. So we Getting that idea that she's not your typical woman, like she's you know she's gonna go out and do shit like that. I I don't think it's on the nose at all.
1: Yeah, I have to wonder how she became so successful because I'm gonna have an even bigger complaint when we get to the second movie. This is gonna get even bigger, but she does nothing in these movies. She finds something in a wall, <laughs> which by the way I love the moment where she she has this obsession with smashing her own stuff throughout all of these movies. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. But when she gets into that wall, that is the most well lit dark hole in the wall I have ever seen. Like, she goes in there and it's brighter than outside in the hallway. Harry Potter had left the the light
0: on. He'd just gone out.
1: Yeah, it's... I I don't understand that, but, you know, she does that and then she takes this to other people and they tell her everything. But yet, in the video games, Lara Croft figured things out. She was smart. It was like Indiana Jones. It was like James Bond. She doesn't use her brain in in these movies at all. And it gets even worse in the second one, even though the second movie gets better in most ways, where she's just 100% relying on everybody else. And they've convinced dumb teenage boys (laughs) that this is like progressive and a strong female character because she goes in there and puts her feet up on a chair in defiance but yet she doesn't solve any problems in this movie and the thing she does solve which will come in the next section we're going to come here there's no logic to it she just hands stuff off to other people in this movie like ah, looks like a key okay thanks let me
0: take all the credit and i agree with that i think the one thing that I feel that these movies have very limited of is actual tomb raiding. Um, yes! Which, and, like... I mean,
1: part two might as well be called office building raiding.
0: Yeah, I mean, the second one, like, there's a huge plot hole in the second one. Like, a massive, massive plot hole, which I just do not understand. Um, and then also, you know, like, the next one, we're going to have the government. We need your help, Lara. Her Majesty requested. It. It's like, this is a woman who digs in caverns. Like, I mean, like, yes. is James Bond not available? Like surely there's a female James <laughs> Bond equivalent in MI6. Like I want to see you know James Bond 25. You know tying it up with Tomb Raider movies. James is on holiday. Let's get Lara Croft. Um, so yeah, I mean I I can't disagree with that. I I think it's that's one element from the Tomb Raider films. That there's no tomb raiding. Um, so, and we kind of get those over the top liners from, uh, Manfred Powell, like, you know, you're the Tomb Raider. Oh, it's good to have two Tomb oh. Raiders. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I cannot disagree with you there. But I, I like Manfred Powell. I think he's a, uh, you know, and I know this movie's never getting referenced in, you know, categories like greatest movie villains and heroes, and I understand that. But I, I think that Manfred Powell is an underrated villain. Like, I don't know, I just kind of like, his swamis, he's swami. He's, he's, okay. he's, I just, I don't know. There's something about him that every time I watch this film, I actually like a lot more. Um, and yeah, compared to the next movie, God, this guy's like freaking amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah.
1: With Daniel Craig, I mean, the accent's terrible. And here's the funny thing. I did not even remember he was in this movie. Like, he made s- so little of an impression on me that. Not even talking about James Bond five years later. Like one year after this, I see Road to Perdition. I'm like, wow, this guy's like one of the most, you know, electrifying actors I've seen in so long. And I didn't even realize one year prior to this, I saw him in Tomb Raider. Like he just (laughs) has, he has no presence in this movie whatsoever. And I mean, well, he has a presence. I mean, we're watching this and Jamie's basically like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then it to to cuts the to Angelina Jolie. Moment. Yeah, it cuts to Angelina Jolie after this. Like, oh, why do I have to look at her? And it goes back to Daniel Craig. It's like, that's the stuff, yeah. And then it goes back to Angelina Jolie. She's like, darn it, put him back on screen. And he's like, oh, yeah.
0: Wow. Um, Hmm. It's funny you say that because, as I've always said, this is the one thing that I knew Daniel Craig from. When they announced, like, Daniel Craig will be the new James Bond. I'm like, who? And I'm like, oh, he was in Tomb Raider. <laughs> I'm so... Yeah, look, the accent, I will say the accent comes and goes. There are definitely scenes where you're like, yeah, that's terrible. This opening scene here with him when he comes up the stairs and they like, hey, Lara. Like, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. But there are some scenes, though, that I will defend his accent. I think it just, it ebbs and flows into the goodness and the badness of it. Uh, whereas, you know, Logan Lucky just stays put the whole time. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I, do you just not like Daniel Craig in this film? <laughs> like- no, I, well, there's not much light like, because, I mean, he's just there.
1: And wait till we get to the end of the movie. I mean, he just disappears for no he reason does. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just he doesn't have a presence in this movie. And I guess if I'm going to have any praise for Angelina Jolie, and it's not even because of her fame, you know, I think I at least walked out of this remembering for good or uh, bad. I walked out of this movie remembering what she did in the movie. I just had no recollection that Daniel Craig was – and I always used to confuse it because years later when I found out he was in this movie – I'm like, oh, yeah, Gerard Butler was the guy from the first one and Daniel Craig was the guy from the second.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and the thing that amazed me when we get to the second one is that, because I think both, like, Daniel Craig and Gerard Butler, who obviously, you know, went on to much bigger things, um, they also got a lot bigger in terms of their bulkiness. Like, Daniel Craig looks a bit weedy in this movie. Like, you know, when he's, yeah. you know, naked, you see the cheese-grating ability. But, like, he still looks very scrawny and weedy. He's Like, he bulks up so much for Bond and Gerard Butler... He looks sick in the next movie. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, where are your muscles? Like, and I'm not even <laughs> Jamie here. Like, you know, so it's kind of interesting there. Um, so yeah, we, we meet Mr. as Mister Mr. Wilson who we're talking about plot development and everything. What's the point of this guy? He's just there who kind of, you know, we learn new. Everyone knows Lara's father. Like, you know, he was just whatever. Um, but I just, like, I don't get why we have to kind of have this middleman to connect us to Manfred Powell, because the way he's all like, forgive me, you know, Lara, or whatever it is, or forgive me, sir, like, that's it, that's all we see of him, you know, it's not like we get sort of, there might be a deleted scene or something explaining more, but that just kind of feels weird that she goes there to see him, and then all of a sudden, you know, I just feel you don't need him in this at all, like, you can just somehow find a way to get Lara straight to Manfred, um... But uh, we get, uh, obviously, he says, I can't help you. But then we've got her on the phone to him later on, telling him, you know, you need to go see Manfred Powell just as the food blows up in the microwave. I kind of just like that random bit. Uh, and then we get uh, um, Lara going to meet Manfred Powell, where we get just one of, my again, my most favourite random scenes with Mr. Pims, like the beverage. Um, it's like, <laughs> what is it that Mr. Powell does? He's a lawyer. And it's like, he's a lawyer. And then he kind of walks in. Isn't it obvious he's got like there's just something about him. he reminds me of Alec Trevelyan. I don't know if that's me, but there's just something about him that reminds you of Trevelyan from Goldeneye um and then we kind of get this scene where she's showing him the photographs of the the this clock thing that's counting backwards as we found out that's counting down to something. Uh, but then we get some really, you know, as much as I like Manfred Powell, we get some really over the top lines, <laughs> like the whole, you know, I don't think I've ever seen something so beautiful that I know so little about to the, my ignorance amuses me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which I do like the way that gets played off though in the next scene when we cut to Bryce and it's like, my ignorance amuses me, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. Um but I, I I don't know I just I just really quickly cap it because I like this introduction between the two I as much as I'm sure you're probably going to disagree with me I feel this is a really good dynamic between like villain and sort of you know hero I think that these two play off each other well and it's it's not like it's a yeah. sexual chemistry or anything I don't know I just feel you feel that these two really have it against each other and the next movie it just feels like that they don't have any reason to hate each other this time around I think it it works for me
1: Yeah well I guess it helped that they have a little bit of backstory here with the whole Illuminati thing and also having this introduction. Cause I think the second one, I mean their interactions are very superficial. So I don't really have much to add on the scene. I mean, I just want to say like Ian Glenn, he's gone on to be, uh, I guess, mostly well-known for game of Thrones where he's probably strangely enough, even though he's now a man, you know, almost 60 years old, he's gone on to become one of the big action heroes on game of Thrones, um, so, I mean, I, I would have loved for him to have had more success maybe at this stage in his career where he could have been like a Sean Bean or something like that. Cause I, he, he's definitely the best actor in this movie and I, I'll criticize a lot of the actors in this movie and he doesn't always have a lot to work off of, but there's no moments in this where I'm like, that was bad. You know, I mean, it, there's moments where it's like, that's bland material, but I mean, he's giving it his all um and i did write that my ignorance amuses me line as bad as that is i kind of like that and uh what's one about pleasurable torment yeah. um yeah like he's got some lines that i mean you could tell the screenwriters really had no idea they you can't figure out what these things mean but they sound cool coming out of his mouth at the very least
0: yeah yeah definitely definitely agree with you um so, and I, I love—I just love that sort of quirk about his character that he's kind of just—he's just that real asshole that just makes everyone do everything for him. The way he's just kind of sitting around, like later oh, on we get to oh, Cambodia, wait, like Laura Croft, you mean? <laughs> well, Laura Croft's not laying on a couch, staring at like <laughs> two hundred, you know, Cambodians going, <laughs> "Oh,
1: wait till we get to the second
0: one." Um, anyway, um, so we—I look. I feel you are going to absolutely hate this scene. Fair enough. So let me talk this scene up. So ignorance amuses me. You know, everyone goes to bed, and I love kind of Hillary, don't you? So up too late, and um, we kind of have this like ballet sort of rope ballet sort of style thing in the sky. Or the sky, the ceiling of a giant thing. What? What are you ripping into me already? Here. Yeah. Just no, continue. Go sit, go sit in the corner. Go sit in the corner. Uh, I just love this whole sort of setup and you know, she's there, she's bouncing around to bark. Um, it's just, it's nice, the music. And then every side is pissing down. We get this sort of like SWAT team coming in and blocking off Bryce's, um, Caravan, and they're here to steal the clock. They come in, and we just get this, you know, action scene of them climbing around the roof, shooting her. I just love the bit where she's, like, sort of hanging up on top of the uh, chandelier, and she kind of has that little head tilt when she's staring at all the people there, and she just gets into this massive fight. We've got great music. Absolutely love the music in this scene. And it all basically leads up to these uh, guys stealing her clock, and we get that great line, they're stealing my bloody clock. Uh- <laughs> Bryce is stuck in the caravan That's a great line
1: Shut up I to line. <laughs> What's happening in the movie They just shot at me Oh didn't you lo- Me and my friend quoted that line When we were 14 years old Every day I like to hear all
0: the lines You and your brother quoted That were dumb uh,
1: <laughs> Hillary Somebody's at the door Oh I love that line
0: So good <laughs> that, that was the 101 On the AFI's greatest movie lines Of all time <laughs> Hillary, get the door! <laughs> oh, amazing. Bravo. <laughs> Said it with such skill. Um, basically... All the levels of defence she has, you know, they've got these screens that they can weld through, which, let's be honest, that amount of security, they all have to do is get a welder and break through. Like, is that how Fort Knox works? Let's put down the shutters. Oh, shit, they've just got a, you know, simple um, welder to get through. But through all this, you know, she's shooting them with screwdrivers, she's bashing them in the head with motorbikes, um, all this sort of stuff. And, like, absolutely love it. I don't give a shit what you say. I just love Hillary there in bed. Gets up, puts a bulletproof vest yeah. on in his dressing gown <laughs> and his slippers. Taking his sweet time. <laughs> Pumping a few rounds. And I just love how it sort of ends when they all leave. And, um, we, like, she turns around and, like, shoots at Hillary. <laughs> it's like, oh, looks like they've got what they've came for. Sorry about that. And he's like, that's fine. <laughs> like, I know you're going to hate this, whatever, fuck you, this is amazing, I just love this scene, it's so great, this is actually, I will say, so, to kind of date this, 2001, 2002, when this came out in DVD, this was sort of the period when, like, you know, surround sound systems were becoming, like, a big thing, like, you get one in your own home. And I remember my friend Trent, like, he was, you know, he was a rich little shit of a kid. But so, like, he got, like, this amazing sound system thing, which is probably so old and chunky by today's standards. But it was, at the time, the best you could get. And he was like, you've got to watch this scene. So, he puts it on Dolby 5.1, you know, in his little bedroom. And, like, this scene sounds amazing. Like, just absolutely incredible at that time in 5.1 surround sound. But, um... Here we go, Colin Hilding ripping shit out. Oh, this is a terrible scene. I love this scene. This scene is amazing.
1: Uh, oh, boy. Um, I mean, I guess the there's some moments of action here that are uh, well staged. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. I just... Okay, the whole point of her doing this on a bungee cord around her, you know, balcony or her staircase off her chandelier and all that... Really, the purpose of this is try to try to explain, try to bring some realism as to how she can perform these video game-like moves once she gets into the tombs in a little bit. That's really the whole reason why she's doing this on bungee cord. But for the audience watching this, all you're wondering is like, all right, good night, everybody. Now let me do my evening routine of bungee jumping off my chandelier. Like, what does it mean? In In reality, why is she doing this? We have no explanation why. She just does it. And she's doing it in her pajamas too. It's not like she's even like, you know, in exercise gear and, uh, I don't know, her activewear or something. It's just, this is her evening routine. It just makes no sense at all. And she just seems to connect and reconnect from this thing randomly throughout this sequence that runs for, I swear, like 20 minutes long. And one minute she's like bouncing around the room and swinging around the room, jumping off her bungee cord. And then it's just gone and she's just kicking people and punching people. And guess what we don't see at any point during this action sequence? Any uh, expression or emotion whatsoever. Like, I actually wrote in my notes, just at least breathe, woman. Like, I want to see you take a breath to know that you are alive and this isn't just a video game effect. Because it, it just – I can't take an action hero seriously if, if nothing phases them. If who doesn't <laughs> breathe, yeah, we don't see her blink. It's like, why don't you Tatum try to act, you know? Except no. here he she's flying around a room not blinking and not breathing. It's – uh, I, I do like the moments with Hillary with the gun. It, I think it, it helped save this very long action sequence for feeling even longer because they do pace it well. So if there's one good moment of editing in this movie, it's how they intercut back and forth between these. Um But, I mean, I just... Everything in this movie feels like something I'd already seen before, too. And you can't say it ripped it off, but maybe six weeks before this movie came out we got the mummy returns with basically the exact same action sequence you know when they came home and they were looking for the bracelet of anubis and they're just basically tearing apart this giant mansion it's the same action sequence it's just in, in that there was more going on and and your action heroes would duck and they would squint and they would uh i don't know wince and and scream and hurt and have pain and Every action here on the planet does it except here because they think that they have to outdo everybody, but they actually do less by not having her breathe.
0: Okay. Just just shut up, Colin. Like, no, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I um I think no, I you're just, not like fourteen anymore. You can say the movie sucks. But I don't think it sucks. Like it's maybe my inner fourteen year old just takes over me. I don't know, but like <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't see what you're saying. I just think it's great. I think she is great action in this, in this scene. And I, like, the whole time I'm watching this going, like, she really comes across great as an action star. And,
1: oh, uh, and look, just to prove that this isn't just me hating on Angelina Jolie. I mean, when we talk about the next movie, I'm going to have a lot of good things to say about what she did with the action scenes. It's just, and, and Hunting I will show you the difference. <laughs> well. There are bad moments, and I'm not saying there are bad moments in that movie. That movie's not great either, but for what she did in the action scenes, she made it believable. You saw her bleed. You saw her yell or scream or hurt or anything or even just exert strength. When she punches a person here, it's just like she's flicking a fly in the air. Like, there's not even any force. You don't see her struggle. Bruce Lee – would hit people and you'd at least have that, even if he never hurt, you'd at least have that like, (coughs) (coughs) pow, you know? I
0: I see, I definitely see, like I definitely get what you're saying and I understand it, but I think kind of, this is difficult when it comes to talking about video game films because I think people go into video game films thinking that A, it should feel like the video game, but it also should, you know, have something different about it. And I think kind of that's where they always struggle with uh films based on video games and why they're always generally terrible because you have such a fan base from the video games who want it to still feel like a video game but they also kind of want to feel it like realistic and like how can you do that in a video game film ad- adapt- adaptation and I really think that You know, particularly in this era of movie making, I mean, this is still in the era of, like, what, a year later when Spider-Man comes out, you know, when comic books are not really quite realistic films and, you you know, you've got a lot of leeway on things like that. This is why, like, you know, we're doing these two films and when we do the review of the new one, we're going to see if they've, you know, changed much with that because given that it's based on more of a realistic approach on a video game side thing too. So this is where like maybe I don't feel as critical about these sort of things like that. I mean, I completely understand your point. If this wasn't based on a video game, I'd probably be right with you, but I think maybe I can give it a bit more of an excuse for for getting away with that because it is based on a video game and a very kind of... I don't want to say two dimensional video game and the fact of the storyline and everything, but compared to what we get today with video games, you got to think of the era of video games back then. Like, it was all about the graphics in 2001. The story and everything was still there, but it wasn't as important as it is, you know, in today's video game world.
1: But, but why are video games the only medium that gets adapted where people are like, it needs to retain that video game feel? You don't watch a movie based on a book and be like, oh, I really wish that it it was about 16 hours like the book or you know I, that, that yeah. it was slow and it did, and, or even a tv show nobody's like uh i wish it was just kind of like you know your your cut and dry tv adventure i mean you look at the star trek movies the star trek movies that failed the most were the ones were like it was too much like the tv show
0: but i i guess it's just it's different mediums in the fact that Books take you, I've heard this, I've never read one, of course. You know, they take <laughs> you so much into the world, cause, you know, you've got those, you know, 50 pages, you can describe certain things, and of course you've got to cut them down for, for TV or movies. You know, TV to movies is different because you've, you've already seen it visually, you've seen people acting it, you've seen it, and they can kind of bigger budget, you can do things more on the big screen. I think video games are different because uh, you're controlling this character, And again, at this time of video games, you know, the the technology only allowed you to do so much. So a lot of people are playing sort of Tomb Raider because, yeah, okay, she's hot. We're playing this, you know, woman in, you know, short shorts and a tank top. But also because the adventure aspect of the Tomb Raider games was amazing. It was fun. Um, whereas I think kind of, you know, in 2001, it was just, it was different types of games. This is why the new one we're going to be seeing is going to be so different and so, you know, diverse, I'm hoping, with the storyline and everything. Just because, again, compared to what you were playing in the reboot they did in 2013, I mean, you just get so captulated into that world and you're just so like involved in everything with the story you get emotionally connected and that's how video games have advanced over the years so i just think the era of this video game adaptation this is kind of what you've got to expect i think that it's just how they were at the time and that's maybe why i can excuse it a bit more
1: um no <laughs>
0: <Move on>. <laughs> <laughs> Move <on>. okay uh <laughs> I do like this delivery scene guy. I remember when we used to watch this film, just the the guy when he delivers the letter, just watch how many times he glances down at uh, Lara Croft's boobs. Like, he looks down at least five times. But um, I kind of just like the way he kind of comes in, uh, you know, and she's like, I woke up this morning and I just hated everything. Uh, <laughs> just everything's destroyed. That's a terrible
1: line. Like, again, I can't believe you quoted these things. I'm actually writing all <laughs> these same lines in my notes just like, That's an awful line. Like, who wrote that?
0: Can you understand why I used to get the shit kicked out of me in high school, Colin Hilton? (laughs) I (laughs)
1: kind of want to do it now to you as an adult. (laughs)
0: All right, so when I come to Winnipeg later this year, Hello, Ben! Boom, 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 boom! (laughs) Um, so this is a, this is just kind of one of those things where like, my darling daughter. So a letter has been delivered from her father. It's kind of like, you know, a la back to the future. Like, you know, oh, we were meant to be here on this day. A few of us took a bet that this wouldn't happen. Like, do post offices really do that? Could I just go down to Australia Post today and be like, do not deliver this letter until the 18th of June, 2029. Like, I know the, um, I know how useless our postal service is. If I posted it today, it would probably arrive in 2029. (laughs) So, like, (laughs) maybe that is kind of what happened here. My darling daughter, yesterday we played, tomorrow we're going to the park. (laughs) It's like, oh, shit, the US, oh, no, the British Post is really bad. Um Anyway, so this leads... It's a poem. And, of course, straight away she knows what the poem is. She finds a book. And within this book she finds another letter uh to which, you know, her dad knew this is what uh, you would talk about. And this is what we get... We learn what this is all about. So there was... Uh, many years ago a meteor hit the earth. It formed a triangle that controlled time. Warring tribes basically were like, No, we want this. No, we want this. It had too much power. So they split the triangle in half and buried it at opposite ends of the earth for nobody to ever find again until the next alignment because this would allow people to control time. And you have to do it every 5,000 years. Now, I want to remember that line when they say at opposite ends of the earth, okay? Because there is a website where you can type in your address and it tells you if you were to dig straight down what side of the world you would come up on, the opposite side of the world. Cambodia is not on the opposite side of Siberia. All right. If you're digging straight down to Cambodia, you're in fucking Peru. I looked this up.
1: So- <laughs> oh, that's the biggest mistake they made in this that's movie. That's the now we know why in this sucks. movie.
0: <laughs> it's all about Peru. Um, but I mean, you know, we're we're finding all this out. It's great. Sure, the clock is the key. Fantastic. Uh, and you've got to be there at the exact moment of the alignment to get the triangle and blah, blah, blah. Pretty standard, really. <laughs> you know, just your average A to B plot line of a movie. Uh, Lara's got to get to Cambodia. She's got... Okay, this is another bit. She's got to get 15 hours to get to Cambodia, right? <laughs> From London. And she's called in a favour. She's called in her army buddies because, you know, Lara Croft was in the military. Of course she was. Now, uh, when you Google flight time London, Cambodia, right? She's got 15 hours to get there. Uh it's a lazy 12 hours and 58 minutes to get from London to Cambodia, all right? So even with military help, she's laying around. She would have to leave at that exact moment and she somehow gets there in time, all right? <laughs> like yes, I'm calling she's out the big potholes. Um, yeah. so again, I'll lump in a lot of this because I know you don't really care. Um, <laughs> she's <laughs> in a, she's in a truck, there's parachutes, she gets dropped down. Uh, meanwhile, uh, five minutes ago, Mr. Powell and Daniel Craig and gang didn't know where to go. Now apparently they do know where to go because he's hired all of Cambodia to pull down this ancient temple. Um, and they've only got 72 minutes, and we've got good old Daniel Craig. Come on, guys! Pulling on the rope. Oh, you can see why he got James Bond after this movie. Meanwhile, um, Lara's driving through the jungle. She sees, she's gotta find the jasmine, cause that's, it only grows in two parts where this, uh, triangle is, according to her dad. She finds, a uh, future daughter number C, basically running around the temples there. That's where Angelina Jolie, that's where I adopted her later on. Um, and she finds a back entrance, uh, they pull down the, uh, the temple, and they end up inside this temple, and can I just point out, Lara Croft has an orange glowy wand, which does nothing to show anything, but it looks cool, so, (laughs) that's all we can say. Do you want me to stop there? I'm sure you got a lot to talk about in these scenes.
1: Not much, but (laughs) if you want, we can...
0: Oh, do you want me to keep going? Do you want me to keep going? Oh, go, fucking... go further,
1: go further. Let's oh, cover God, the whole this temple. This is
0: the one time you want me to keep going. So essentially, yeah. they're in this temple. Um, they've got to find where to put the key. Uh, Powell's going to put it in the wrong spot. Um, Daniel Craig, I'm just calling. him. I'm not calling him. Freaking, he's by his ac- actual character's yeah. name. Uh, he finds out they've got to get the swords into the place. And meanwhile, Lara's up in the top bits trying to find everything. She finds the right pot to put the key. She tells uh, Powerware to do it. They all agree. They listen. I kind of like the little backwards and forth between Lara and Daniel Craig when it's like, oh, hello, Alex. Hey, Lara. <laughs> Just the way he kind of does that. Lara. Lara. Um, they put the key in. The weird thing moves backwards and forth. The The thing must pierce the urn. Um, so she jumps on the ride. It pierces it. It gets. There's lots of weird slow mo editing in these two films that just do not yeah. fit. There's so many of those random scenes that they decide to put like three seconds of slow mo, which just take you out of it. It's it's a very kill fill. I don't I don't understand it. <laughs> um, it pierces the urn. The triangle comes up. Lara takes it, but then all this silvery gooey stuff turns all the statues into life. They start killing everyone. Manfred Powell's a dick. He uses one of his guards as like a human shield, which I like. Uh, these monkey things start attacking him. Then all of a sudden the big, is it Buddha? I don't want to be disrespectful. I think it's a Buddha. Not Buddha. Uh, it's, it's a religious statue of something. I probably just pissed off some people. Sorry. It starts attacking people. It has a weird smile. Basically, they get out of the temple. Lara's got the half of the triangle. Powell's still got the, uh, the key. There we go. Uh. <laughs> I capped up a big action scene. I will say, like, it's... Special effects, no. Just no. Uh, they're terrible. They're so bad. They do not hold up at all. Um, But it's it's kind of like... This is maybe the one scene in this entire film. Maybe the one scene in both Tomb Raider movies that actually, to me, feels like a Tomb Raider game with the sort of the... the you're in a tomb. You've got kind of these things coming after you. So this is the one bitch I will... Bitch. Whoops. Uh, one bitch. <laughs> wow. Ben, um, (laughs) (laughs) the one bit that I feel actually is very game-esque in terms of what the Tomb Raider games were like, but, um, I mean, it's enjoyable. I prefer the, uh, the, the ceiling ballet action scene, but this is okay.
1: Um, uh, I I mean, I can agree with you because I think this is something you would have in the video games, but here's the problem. and, And I mentioned this earlier, like where did their budget go? This movie costs $115 million, and I looked Mm. up the budget for the second one, which is like $95 million. Now, the second movie, I would argue aside from the effects, looks better because they go places. Here, anytime we're on location, it is clearly a really bland, poorly constructed set on a soundstage with a little bit of blue screen so you can see a sky behind it. Like when she's walking through the jungle, it's clearly just a soundstage. Here, it's clearly just a soundstage. And there, there's nothing there to make it look interesting. Uh, you know, the, the little gadget, the, the swinging gadgets may be the only thing, but. Uh, this is one hundred and fifteen million dollars. Like even in two thousand, the Mummy Returns. Like, can we look up what the Mummy Returns budget was? Okay, can we, up. The-
0: but be- before, before before you even mentioned anything about uh, the Mummy Returns, can we both also agree that Mummy Returns had maybe the worst CGI ever in a movie when the Scorpion King comes out? So I mean, yes, that money run wasn't fact, well spent.
1: <laughs> for one effect, but the rest of the movie fantastic.
0: Ninety eight million and that dollars. Ninety eight. So that movie cost, really cost more.
1: 17 million less. So I just don't understand where all the money went in this movie. Because Angelique Uh, Jolie was not expensive. (laughs) (laughs) But she wasn't that. She hadn't had a hit movie yet. So she still hasn't. So where did the money go? I just uh, let me get your opinion on this. This set, even though it is something you'd see in Tomb Raider, does it really look like something that's worthy of a $115 million movie?
0: no I yeah I agree with you I I like it's it's when I was looking this up last night it kind of it baffled me that this cost 150 million like I mm. would say this maybe cost 60 60 million or something like that um, yeah. because I mean yeah like as you said 115 million in 2001 that was a lot of money I mean this was yeah. kind of wasn't Titanic I'm sorry to bring it up but that was like 200 300 million which was, at the time was the most expensive movie ever made and this is only costing you know what like 80 million dollars less than Titanic and as much as you hate Titanic, you can't disagree that that was money well spent in terms of the look of that movie. So this yeah. kind of yeah, I agree because this is I think we've established this a lot too with a lot of movies around this period is that special effects from the early two thousands really do not hold up. They just there's very few movies. I mean, Spider-Man's one, but I mean, there's limited movies you can think of with special effects. They went really over the top with the CG, like in terms of the bad, Mm -hmm. they had just bad programs in the early 2000s to make things look real.
1: Well, it was the early days of this. I mean, they were still discovering it. I guess if you go back to the early days of, you know, model effects or the early days of motion capture, you're going to get the same thing. So it's kind of forgivable. But I mean, this is bad even for 2001. Yeah. Um... A couple things just with the scene that really don't work here. Um, I just found it funny when she shows up there, you know, there's all these kids guiding her around and there's just machine guns flying everywhere. And I'm like, what if they hit the kids? <laughs> <laughs> eh. One of these kids is dead somewhere. Yeah. Ben's like, eh, the kid's probably like mommy and they deserve it or something. <laughs> um, all right. So whoever put this big contraption together, like this is very Indiana Jones. Like, and I think, These movies kind of tried to balance Indiana Jones and James Bond. I think the games were definitely like 75% Indiana Jones, 25% James Bond's. Mm -hmm. This movie feels like 50-50. The next one feels like 80-20 for James Bond. No Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones. But I mean, this, this has that Indiana Jones feel. You know, somebody constructed this, this big booby trap and, uh, there's a code you have to do. How she knows how to do these things is what bothers me because we don't see her discover anything. And there, there are a few moments um in the second movie, another thing that's going to improve in the next one, where we'll at least see her look at something and then all of a sudden be like, I got an idea now. Here she just seems to know and she, she just has all this knowledge, but we haven't seen her learn any of it. We've just seen her ask other people questions. It just – It doesn't make any sense in the context of this movie that she'd be like, I know exactly how to lock this thing. I know exactly what's going to happen. You have to give this to me, and it has to be in the next 17 seconds because I've done all the math, and I know exactly when it's going to happen. We don't see her discover anything in this movie. We don't see her even work for her knowledge. It just seems to be there, and that's kind of this entire movie is that everything just sort of happens with no explanation. It's just a mess. Um, I love this big contraption, though, that – at some point, you know, hundreds or thousands of years earlier, it, what civilization was this supposed to be? C- Cambodian. Yeah, but okay, so thousands of years ago, a bunch of Cambodians sat down and they said, all right, we need to go through our checklist. Thousands of years from now, somebody is going to unlock this and maybe have power to rule the world or whatever else. Okay, do we have a giant with a revolving face? With the ability to wield swords, check. Do we have a mercury-powered stone army, check. Do we have monkeys in this mercury-powered stone army, check. Do we have instructions for the person who will need to ride this pendulum like a surfboard in order to give it enough motion to break this thing to unlock the clue, Oh, we forgot the clue to ride it like a surfboard. <laughs> because this thing goes off miraculously without a hitch. But yet, unless you are hopping on a thing and riding it like a surfboard, five seconds after this thing starts swinging, it just ceases to swing. Uh, it's, it's, it, <laughs> perpetual motion does not exist. It's just done. So, like... Uh, I know we're not supposed to apply logic to this. I just find it hilarious that these Cambodians put so much work into these incredible things like a stone monkey army or a giant revolving face, sword-wheeling giant, and yet they couldn't figure out, hey, this thing needs a little bit more emotion, a little bit more leverage in order to break that thing.
0: <laughs> you really like this movie, don't you? There's a couple of things I really just... Weirdly reading some of the trivia things here about this, because I was just zoning out of you complaining about this movie. But um <laughs> some of the things, actually, that we've already seen that are actually quite interesting. So, actually, in this scene, um here with Daniel Craig, he's actually using a Walter PPK. Uh, so, uh-huh. this is the same weapon that he would use in Casino Royale. How do um, I
1: recognise five years later? Yeah,
0: there you go. Um And it's also here, so, young Lara, mummy, uh, played by Rachel Appleton, her only ever acting role. Funnily that. <laughs> uh. She's Canadian too, so uh there you go. The the picture oh, let's get of her on the show. The picture of Lara's mother in the pocket watch is Linda Carter. Uh, Ooh. So, <laughs> there's a there's a trivia for you. And I also love the fact here that apparently the shower scene actually was written for her to be nude, but they wanted to avoid the R-rating scene, so you only see the side boob. Um and just uh, for those playing at home uh, here who, uh, you know, I'm sure this is something Jamie noticed. I'm not too sure. I'm going to read this out word for word. In the video game, Lara Croft is a 36 double D. Angelina Jolie yeah. is naturally a 36 C and was padded to a 36 D for the movie as it was felt that padding to the original character size would be too unrealistic. Because that is honestly what I wanted to know, is her boob size. It was The fans really like, oh, her boobs aren't big enough. Uh- <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, What and this was a weird obsession people had during this whole time period, where you had to match a character exactly, which is why we ended up with, you know, a really like a really terribly blonde Jessica Alba with really bad blue contacts because she had to look exactly like the Invisible Woman in Fantastic Four. Like you don't even that nobody was going to sit there and go bra size is off, (laughs) movie's done, (laughs) Bennett.
0: I mean, I saw the Super Mario Brothers movie. Um and (laughs) sadly, I did. Uh now, Bowser looked nothing like Um what's his name? Uh forgotten his name. He's dead now. Dennis Hopper. Thank you, Dennis Hopper. (laughs) Now every time I play Mario, I don't automatically look at Bowser and go, Oh, Dennis Hopper Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) Yes, the boob size is very important. Anyway, um so, uh Lara somehow finds a way to the most technologically advanced Cambodian, uh, <laughs> where she hooks up a phone system to call up... Oh, no, she's jumped off a waterfall. I should really mention that. Oh, no, it's not that important, is it? <laughs> we know well... if there's a character standing at the top of a waterfall, they're going to jump off it, all uh, right? That's generally what's going to happen. Um Now, yeah, so she calls up uh, Manfred Powell. Got to go to Venice. Um, and apparently Manfred likes it hard on terms of the, um, the, the massaging. Yeah, I agree. Actually, it's an interesting point, just to backtrack what you said about the locations. Because, yeah, I think this film at the time was, like, a big deal for Cambodia. Uh, this was, like, a big tourism boost for Cambodia. I remember, like, kind of a lot of media around this about, you know, visiting to there. Um, and I actually, like, in all honesty, like, jokes side about Angelina Jolie adopting kids, uh I did I think read a lot that this movie did influence her a lot to kind of go on her many adopting ways because she she spent a lot of time in Cambodia for this film, so there you go. So that's set up a few things for her. Um I love how uh when Lara rings up Bryce here uh and just like hangs up on Bryce well, bye then. Um and then we've got random scene of Lara drinking some juju juice or something like that that basically tastes terrible. And heals a wound. Cause she did bleed. She had a bit of a cut on her arm. Um, <laughs> then we get this scene in the Illuminati. I, d- I do like just the playfulness of uh, Angelina Jolie here. It's like, Who sits here? Yes, but who sits here? I don't think you sit here, do you? Like, oh she just yes, please I'll sit there with you. Um oh, but again
1: uh, it's it's so good. And you know, if you watch the deleted scenes, there's an amazing line in there where he walks and goes, Can I help you? <laughs> the dialogues just- <laughs> Jumps right out off the page. It's just awesome.
0: <laughs> Can I just ask you a question about the music? Do you like the soundtrack, the score in this film?
1: I uh, I don't think the scores for either movie are that great. I I will give you the, the soundtrack itself's pretty good for this movie. Like with with the songs like U two and Nine Inch Nails and everything. There are some good songs in this movie, but I don't think that the the original score music's really helping it at all.
0: No. Yeah, in fact, I there agree. are
1: moments in here where it actually, it really hurts the movie, close to the end.
0: Well, I just love the amount of songs, like, that get played. Like, I already talked about Speedball and playing early on, um, you know, when we get Galaxy Bounce playing at the end, cause I love the Chemical Brothers, the closing scene when you got Where's Your Head At, Basement Jacks. Like, these are all my bands. Like, these are all, like, awesome movies. And, yeah, the Elevation, sort of the Tomb Raider mix of Elevation by U2 is great. Um, so... Yeah, I I loved this soundtrack. I I just listened to this soundtrack so much when I was younger. Uh so yes, we get the Illuminati scene. We kind of you know get a bit of a vibe that oh, her dad was in the Illuminati. <gasps> Plot twist. Uh, which no, I, that's not true. That's it impossible.
1: is impossible. No, search so feelings. feelings. You know it to be
0: true, Laura. <laughs> she jumps out of a window. <laughs> <laughs> Simon West in like an edit ten years later adds a scream. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Anyway. So then we get uh, Jamie's favorite scene in the movie: naked Daniel no. Craig. <laughs> oh, Which,
1: that's it.
0: The no, weirdest, no, no,
1: no. Get back to him. <laughs> oh,
0: that's it. The weirdest shower. Like, I just, when he gets out of it, and like the the taps are like on the side. I've never seen a shower like that before. But I love it when he like gets the gun, opens the door. Oh, escusi, signora. Like, can you imagine if that was Jamie? Like, <laughs> instead of throwing the towel at him, she throws himself. Like, <laughs> but um i do I do like it, you know, the stuff between him and Lara, like with his traitor on the fog the the best bit of course, is the whole bit when she just glances down at his dick, uh, <laughs> like it just stares at it, um, you know, always a pleasure. Uh, anyway, so we get this scene when they're loading onto the plane. That famous quotable line, which, you know, my friend and I used to always say, time to save the universe again, is it? Absolutely. Um, I love it when she's on the plane, blows that weird guy a kiss, uh, and then me bum's gone to sleep, like as you said at the <laughs> beginning. This kind of just sets us up to Siberia. Again, not the opposite end of the world. How do they know it's in Siberia? Can we just point this out? Do we find out how they know? There's there's nothing in this movie that explains how they know anything.
1: Everything just happens, as I said.
0: And one thing also, can we just point out, back to the bit where the letter arrives for Lara, bit of a dick move by her dad to do it so close to the alignment. Like, send it a week before, Richard. Like, Ah. hey, Lara, I'm probably dead now. You get all that. By the way, in a week... You need to be in Cambodia, not fifteen hours. All right. What if? What if there was like a blizzard and her flight was
1: delayed, and then the world <laughs> yeah. ends? Because he needed to be dramatic.
0: Exactly. What if there was like a, a, a I don't know, a pilot strike, um, yeah. or nine eleven was happening or something like that? Like,
1: what if she sprained her ankles and was on crutches that week?
0: What if she was away for the weekend because she met Gerard Butler that weekend and didn't <laughs> get the mail? Like. <laughs> Screw you, Lord Richard Croft. Uh, no wonder you don't speak to your daughter anymore in real life. Um, so basically, they've got to get to this place in Siberia, which somehow they've found out they've got to go to. Um, it's a dead zone. They can't fly there, so they get some doggies. I do like Bryce. We take all doggies. Da mucho US greenback. No. Um, I do like that. Come on. Uh, they've got these cool submersible vehicles, and they basically get all the way... To this cave, and they've got their cool little orange wands again, because apparently they do a lot. And also, just special note, somehow Bryce has great Wi-Fi and satellite coverage in Siberia. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. This is 2001. I'm sure in 2018 you couldn't get bloody, you know, good data up in Siberia. That's why they send them out there.
1: (laughs) When we have to record these episodes earlier in the day, and Casper's here... I can't record if he's watching Peppa Pig on Netflix in the other room because my <laughs> Wi-Fi <laughs> drops out. So, like, I, I want this guy as my new internet installer.
0: And and you're in, you know, the, the metropolitan capital of Canada, Winnipeg. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> A few hours north and you'll basically be in Canada's Siberia. Um, <laughs> I might cap it there because, really, I think I probably can lump the whole last bit into one. I'm sure you'll be happy with that. So, uh, Oh, please do. Yes, we've gone from naked Daniel Craig right through to basically uh, naked dogs. What? I don't
1: know. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I would love to figure out the logic of this, of how Daniel Craig was planning to pick a gunfight in the nude, because he answers the door like this <laughs> with his gun. Who is he expecting, and did he expect to win this fight in the nude, or is he just that shameless? But like I said, oh, did you hear Jamie there?
0: Jamie, we're talking about Daniel Craig nude. Quickly, come on the she episode. Just she, uh.
1: she just went, she just went, hmm.
0: Well, part of what I just said was true then. Anyway, uh.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But I, like like I said at the beginning, I mean, people, they love to go back. I'm not saying that there's not some of this that goes on, but they love to go back and say, oh, well, you know, action movies or whatever, they objectify women. It's like they objectify men just as much. You're reaching yeah. each audience at their most immature and superficial. Um. But it's the only really thing that I want to talk about here is this is going back to Lara Croft's blatant disrespect for manners and etiquettes. <laughs> so she goes into this auction. Nobody's done anything wrong to her. She decides to be disruptive and put her feet up and just draw all the attention to herself. What is it with this woman where she does that? She goes in, okay, the Illuminati, okay, maybe they're bad guys, but she's going, I'm just going to do the same thing. Let me just sit on the Illuminati king's throne here, invite myself in. On her way there, she drives about 60 kilometers in a pedestrian zone, probably killed 100 Cambodians to get there. But yet when she meets these monks later on, all of a sudden it's all polite. They're bowing before them and, you know, uh, saying her prayers or whatever and, you know, giving reverence to them. And She just all of a sudden becomes the most polite person on the planet. It doesn't even fit her character. I mean, how do you feel like this? Or do you want, you know, Lara Croft going in there and, you know, kicking this monk in the face and <laughs> ripping off his toga or whatever <laughs> what you would you call it and just. Total. I don't know, blast blasting her uh Moby in the middle of their temple. <laughs> hey, you leave Moby out of this. <laughs> I like Moby. I am the no biggest Moby, but, um he was good for the time period. But I don't know, I just think that's hilarious that we get her in this entire movie. They're they're going so so over the top, trying to show her being like you know, I I don't listen to nobody. I, 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 I play by my own rules. I put my feet where I want. And all of a sudden these monks and she's just like super respectful. We get the same thing kind of in the second movie too. I just I just think that's funny. I like um, it.
0: I like it. You like her being respectful? No, I just like her being like just, you know, I'm Lara Croft. Fuck you. Like, I don't know. I just like it. I like that. In that moderation, but
1: not like every moment of this movie. It's just too much. Um. Yeah, I do like the the one line I really like in that movie is, oh, my my, my bum's falling asleep again, all down the left cheek. <laughs> it has no context. Again, it's just they'll throw a joke out there that you, you're you actually scratching your head like, why did he just say that? But it fits the
0: rest he of the movie. He wasn't acting. Because, they just kept the cameras yeah, it, rolling. That was just Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my bum's gone to sleep again. Angeline Jolie's just like... How charming, or whatever she says.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, all right, are you ready to go now? And action. My bum's falling asleep. It's all to the left cheek. I don't want to do the steak right now. And they're like, perfect. Just cut the last line out and we've got it. Um, Yeah, and that mucho U.S. greenback. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We take all doggies, duh. Yeah. And the sad thing again, just how times have changed. In 2001, the stream artist thought, this is how you would communicate in Siberia. (laughs) Uh, This was an appropriate way of doing it. It's not even a joke. Um, All right, so explain to me again how they get into this place.
0: They fly, then they land, (laughs) then they get dogs on the submersible machines that drive them there before they can stop to the dead zone i don't really know why they don't just fly to the end of the dead zone because they drive to the end of the dead zone so like, yes I, I don't get why they just can't <laughs> land at the point they drive to but okay i'll give you that
1: All these, it's the same thing in the second movie that there's just 16 modes of transportation do something we could have done just one or how about this you've got a lot of money mr powers mr Manfred powers <laughs> splurge on some snowmobiles what's with the dog sleds is that the most efficient way of travel you have a deadline here you have to be exactly on the dot once every five thousand years or whatever and it's like all right so the snowmobiles will cost us about fifteen thousand dollars how much for the dog sleds about twelve thousand five hundred you know what I mean, this is a tight month for me. I want to make sure I can make my mortgage payments. <laughs> if it takes us an extra six hours, I'm willing to bite the bullet. Let's save the 2500
0: <laughs> Yes. Uh. <laughs> anyway, we're in Siberia. We're in a cave. Uh. <laughs> my biggest question about all this, all yours are valid points. Why does the snooty leader of the Illuminati need to come along for this? Like... You know, just, no wonder you died, dickhead. Um, like, just, no, you don't need to come there. Um, so we find out that time is frozen here because a dog jumps through a thing and we see its skeleton. Um, <laughs> and we've got this giant contracted... One thing, I think I did remember watching a making of, of this film and this is all like a purpose-built set. And I agree with you, like, you know, a lot of these feel like they're on a set but this is a pretty cool set, like this revolving planet... Part, yeah. Yeah, like that was actually built for this film. So like that's pretty cool. Um But you know, they've got to try and find where they've got to put the uh the eye. Uh, I like kind of Daniel Craig when it's like fifty dollars said the pieces inside the sun. Uh and as everybody climbs up the uh the planetary thing, random henchmen getting crushed every five seconds. Ah, psh, ah psh. I kind of like the way they do that. Uh Lara gets a clock, puts it in, she gets sucked through the the sun, and comes out with the triangle. Uh, then we get, like, this, you know, big speech from the Illuminati guy, and I kind of like powers, like, enough of this twaddle, uh, and basically kills him. What a no, that's line. That's a good
1: line, I like that, enough of this twaddle.
0: Luke, I'm your father, you know, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, enough, <laughs> enough, of, this enough of this twaddle.
1: Enough of this twaddle.
0: Robbed of an iconic line in movie history. Um, so Powell gets the triangles, nothing happens, and we find out that, um, there's going to be something else, so he kills Daniel Craig. You just killed James Bond! (laughs) (laughs) Is that who that was? I just have to, like, write it down. You just killed James (laughs) Bond. So he falls into the thing, gets crushed. Oh no, Daniel Craig's dead. We'll never see him again. We may as well, they we may as well have just ended his arc right here. There's no point in five seconds of bringing him back. Cause as you said, he disappears. There's no closure to Daniel Craig in this movie. He just went off. And it's like, I'd rather slit my wrists again than appear in another scene. Of Lara Croft. <laughs> there's actually, there's legitimately a scene in the next movie where I think Angelina Jolie did the same thing of I'd rather sit, lit my wrist and be Tomb Raider again. Cause she does slit her wrist at one point in the next movie. Anyway, stop laughing about slitting wrists. Um, so she, uh, gets the key, throws it into this time storm, finds there's a slight little piece left of the triangle. Again, I'm with you here. Like, how does she know this? Like, it's just kind of, it's convenient. Um, so, she puts it in, they have this weird fantasy sequence that they run up a pyramid, uh, she gets the triangle, the special effects just look ridiculous as power is falling down, uh, then we get this sweet little scene, is it sweet? I don't know, Angelina Jolie and her dad, uh, you know, I mean, they miss each other. I
1: mean, in now... Knowing they're real relationship, maybe.
0: Yeah, well, they hate each other now still, so, yeah. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, she's crying, it's not fair, you must destroy the triangle. Like, this doesn't have the plot hole in the next one, because to me there's one thing in the next film that just makes the entire thing, you can just end it straight away. Like, why could she just not destroy the half of the triangle when she got it, Mm -hmm. and then none of this has to happen? Because she's basically on all this adventure, she's costing Bryce his rent... And all this sort of stuff by traveling to Siberia and all this kind of stuff just to make sure that it gets destroyed. You've gotten one half of the triangle already. You're going to destroy it. There's no purpose of it. Just destroy it. And then, boom, you know, you just have to deal with Powell and his men. That's it. Um, So, anyway, like, this all leads to her going back in time. She gets the knife, spins it around, stabs Powell instead, saves Daniel Craig. But who cares because he's gone from that point on. Uh, as soon as he runs away and says, no, Lara, the building's collapsing. Well, the cave's collapsing. See you, Daniel Craig. See you in Casino Royale. Um, and then we kind of get this scene where, you know, Powell's got a reveal that he killed her father and all this sort of stuff. It just feels tacked on. I, I'm not a fan of that, just random reveal. Uh, and then essentially he gets killed by a throat punch. It's very, uh, Kill Bill <laughs> Volume 2. Uh, that was a chest punch, but whatever. Um, and then basically the entire cave collapses. You find out that, uh, Lara Croft's not wearing a bra. Just something that I noticed <laughs> in that last scene. And then she skis out with the dogs, which I absolutely love. Galaxy Bounce there playing by the Chemical Brothers. That's the end. Uh, well, the end of that sequence. The end of the movie is coming there when Hil- Hillary drops the tray because she's dressed up in a dress. Uh, I think that's funny. She goes down, puts a bit of flowers on the grave, comes back here, they take a photo, gets a gun, Simon the robot's there, freezes, where's your head at? at? Where's your head at? Boom. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Alright. Your turn. <laughs> Do you want to comment? Home stretch. Okay, um,
1: <laughs> those henchmen, the, I mean, it is funny the way you describe it, where, it's like, hey, just go up there and get it. And then they're just like, oh, oh, <laughs> why is everybody in this movie a clumsy mess except for her? This is – what was the movie I was complaining about this in? It was something recently about uh, – oh, Titanic. Yeah, <laughs> about the only oh, way God, that here you we can make, <laughs> Yeah, the only way that you can make Jack and Rose their heroes of the movie is to make everybody else an absolute imbecile. And I kind of hate when movies do that because if you don't have enough strength to build – Lara Croft is a hero on her own, that you just have to make everybody else a clumsy mess, then, like, you haven't done your job. Um, But I will agree with you, the set is cool. Not that it looks that great. It really doesn't look any different than the last one. It's just this revolving thing. It's a good practical set, because there's a lot of bad CGI in both of these movies, uh, and a lot of shots where it's clearly just Angelina Jolie's stunt woman doing most of the work here. But... I mean, this looks cool. This whole revolving thing climbing on it's one of these things that you know would have been in the video game. And I would have, you know, loved to, uh, I would have loved to have, you know, done this would be something fun. This is like a jungle gym for adults. Um, you, you said it. So I don't even have to say it. Nobody should know what to do with this clock or anything else. They just automatically know how to do everything in here, including when they're suddenly transported to some other third dimension or alternate dimension plane and they just know run up the side of this pyramid and grab this thing there's no reason they should know how to do these things they just do and that's why this movie doesn't work Uh, i love the shot of the planets aligning Uh where they're all like about uh, approximately 16 inches apart yeah because we're seeing them (laughs) real size and you can make out the, the the shaping colour of Pluto from Earth.
0: If, 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 if that's the case, that, like, goddamn, when they talk about, what, taking, like, three months to get to Mars? It would take, like, three minutes. I could drive there right now. I mean, it's that yeah, bloody... Exactly. I, could, I could get to Neptune by, you know, three <laughs> o'clock.
1: Um, why is there porn music playing here, too? There's this... bump <laughs> When she has the knife and everything? This is... I'm talking, a lot of the music just is completely inappropriate here. This was 2001, I guess. And there's a lot of Angelina Jolie's constipation face here um, <laughs> when they're wrestling over the knife. Like that's the one of two expressions. It's either no expression or constipation expression. If people doubt me, go back over and rewatch every action sequence this movie and you will see either no expression or constipation expression. Um, maybe it was the Cambodian food. I don't know. But <laughs> we don't get anything else. Uh, how did she know that shooting it's going to work? Like what if this thing were bulletproof? Then... Like another thing, you just, <laughs> there's no explanation as to how she just knows these things. It just, it makes the whole movie so dumb. Even dumber, we get a five second final fight. And at this point, the whole building's collapsing. She should be running for her life. And I hate when movies do this. They have to make the heroic last stand. One of the Mission Impossibles did this. We'll get to that when we cover the Mission Impossible movies. I'm not immune to criticizing even one of my favorite franchises, you know, in history. Uh, but when lives are on the line, And the world is collapsing around you. And it's like, you know what? I enjoyed killing your dad. All right, now it's personal. Wait, wait, Laura. We got 30 seconds to live. I'll be done in 29, okay? (laughs) And then she just goes in there and she kills him in 15 seconds. Did we really need this for a 15-second final fight where, again, nothing happens?
0: Well, it's better than the next film.
1: (laughs) True, yes. Um, But... When she's exiting this place and she's on the jet ski, she takes the time to do a flip on the jet ski just for the fun of it. Um, Or was that – hold on. I may be looking at my – That's the, second, my, film. You're
0: that's in the, the second, second film. You're in the second one. Yeah. My well, I was about to say, the jet ski was, scene at the end of this.
1: Wow, in Siberia. Yeah. Uh. yeah this, no, this was the uh, the dog sled uh, where she just for no reason whatever starts laughing and giggling uncontrollably as she's exiting on the dog sled and the building collapsing behind her. Uh I don't know. This this climax just doesn't work. It's it's a cool set that's all I could really say, but I remember seeing this for the first time and, and trying so hard to like throughout the whole movie when it got to this climax, I was just like, "I have no clue what the plot of this movie is. It is not a complicated plot. But they have spent so little time explaining anything. You can understand what the plot is, what the planets aligning and all that and controlling time." And still not get it because they're not taking the time to explain the little things to you. Like, how do they know how to do this? How do they know how to do that? And that just messes the whole movie up. Um, I mean, as for the final scene, I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to at least see Daniel Craig after she saves his life. The entire climax is about saving Daniel Craig's life. And then we never see him again. <laughs> uh, what's the purpose of it? Like, this is, it's a movie that I still can't figure out if it was just rushed in pre-production. Or rushed in post production and that maybe at some point Simon West actually forgot. Wait a second, we forgot to show the final shot of these two falling in love and that's it. Like we kind of get, you know, in, in every other action movie. Why is she saving him if he's just gone? And what happened to you after that? You know, where did Daniel Craig go at the end of this movie? We need some theories out there. MI six. MI six, yes. <He changed> <laughs> yeah. Uh thank you for solving it. Um yep. And the reappearance of the robot in the end. I mean, it's just so dumb. Like, I'd forgotten about that terrible robot opening. And then we have the robot in the end here. It's just so many parts of this movie feel like they're only made for, like, nine-year-olds. And then other parts of this movie feel like, you know, a 45-year-old can't explain the plot of this movie to you. It's just, it's a terrible movie. Let's just be done with it.
0: Well, before we get to... Um, I, I really don't know what you're going to do with it when we get to our rating system, so I'll be surprised when you say that. Um, <laughs> well, just quickly, in terms of the uh, reception, uh, the film received generally negative reviews. <laughs> Definitely. 19% in Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's got an average of 3.9. Uh, the general consensus reads, Angela Jolie is perfect for the role of Lara Croft, but even she can't save the movie from a senseless plot and action sequences with no emotional impact. Uh, IGN gave it a lowest score of 0.0 disaster rating, condemning everything from character performances to the ending. A positive review, though, came from Roger Ebert, Ebert, however you say his name Ebert, isn't it, who awarded the film three out of four stars and said Lara Croft Tomb Raider elevates goofiness to an art form. Here is a movie so monumentally silly, yet so wondrous to look at, that only a churl could find fault. Colin Hilding, you're a churl. I don't even know what that is, but you're a churl. What's that review again? Roger Ebert. Uh.
1: Okay, I'm just going to say this. You can go back over uh, the years of 1999 to whenever Roger Ebert died. And if you ever find an Angelina Jolie movie that he gave a negative review to, like, I I, I will send you a check for $100. I mean, I won't actually. Just don't edit that out, Ben, because I don't want to be <laughs> obligated to this. Yes, I'm going to be rich. But... <laughs> I remember listening to his reviews or watching his show because I used to love his TV show. Um And you could just tell he was hot for her. Like, that's all it was for him. Any movie she made, it was automatically, this is a great movie. I love this movie. Beyond Borders, wow. Oh, so good. The Bone Collector. I mean, this is Oscar-worthy entertainment here. No, don't buy Roger Ebert.
0: Well, speaking of awards and nominations, uh <laughs> it was uh nominated for two MTV Movie Awards. Uh best female performance for Angelina Jolie and best fight scene between Angelina Jolie what? and the robot. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to I want to just quickly say so in the in the category of best female performance, uh, it was Angelina Jolie, Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Reese Witherspoon, Legally Blonde. Halle Berry, Monsters Ball. Kate Beckinsale, Pearl Harbor. Nicole Kidmon, Kidmon, uh, Moulin Rouge. Who do you think won that year?
1: Um, Kate Beckinsale, Pearl Harbor.
0: Nope. Nicole, <laughs> Nicole Kidmon won for <laughs> Moulin Rouge. Uh, And the best fight scene, so uh, it was Angelina Jolie versus Robot, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. (laughs) Christopher Lee versus Ian McKellen, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Jet Li versus himself, The One. Or Jackie Chan versus Chris Tucker versus Hong Kong Gang, Rush Hour 2. What do you think won?
1: Oh, it's got to be Rush Hour.
0: Correct, it did. Um, But it's so funny to read some of the other nominees this year, in the 2002 MTV Movie Awards. (laughs) And also to even read the presenters uh of this year. The the people who were big that time. So, um if you go through to Best Breakthrough Mail, Paul Walker, Daniel Radcliffe, Colin Hanks, DMX and Orlando Bloom were all nominated DMX for, DMX for exit wounds. <laughs> that um, classic movie star of two thousand two. Orlando Bloom won that year for those playing at home, by the way. Um, they also have, and I'm I'm so disappointed that no Tomb Raider lines made the best line category. <laughs> so, <laughs> that that you had best cameo, but just to really date this, best new filmmaker went to somebody called Christopher Nolan for Memento. <laughs> um, new, new. Also, this film was nominated. for for The Worst Actress at the Golden Raspberry <laughs> Awards. Now, uh, let's go through the nominees here. We had Academy Award winner, Charlize Theron for Sweet November. We had Jennifer Lopez for Angel Eyes and The Wedding Planner. We had Academy Award winner, Angelina Jolie for Lara Croft Tomb Raider and Original Sin. We had Academy Award winner, Penelope Cruz for Blow, Captain Corelli's Mandolin and Vanilla Sky. And we had... Mariah Carey, Grammy Award winner, Mariah Carey for Glitter. Now, I think we all know who won that year, right?
1: Mariah Carey.
0: <laughs> Correct. But I do like the next year. Angelina Jolie was nominated again the next year for Life or Something Like It, where she was up against Jennifer Lopez for Enough and Made Manhattan. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, very popular in the early 2000s. uh, Winona writer for Mr. Deeds, but there was a tie for the win in 2002. You're going to love this. Madonna for Swept Away and Britney Spears for Crossroads. Two of my girls won it in 2002. Uh, the good news for Jennifer Lopez fans. After being nominated two years in a row, she finally broke through and won it in a third consecutive year when she won it for Geely in 2003. Um, box office though. Box office though. This, uh, was a big actual success. 131 million Domestically, one hundred forty-three million; foreign, so two hundred seventy-four million worldwide. This still, to this day, is the highest-grossing video game adaptation film ever. Uh, only two video game movies have ever made over a hundred million dollars. Uh, for bonus points, Colin Hilding, can you name me the second video game movie that made a hundred over a hundred million dollars?
1: Um, was it Resident
0: Evil? Nope. Mortal Kombat. Nope. The Angry Birds movie. <laughs> <laughs> My third guest was going to be Wing
1: Commander, so I just got me.
0: <laughs> but it says it actually amazes me that this is still the most successful one because I mean I often like hear your criticisms. I often always hear that this movie sucks. This movie sucks. Why do you like this movie? Um, but to just think that after all these years, this is still the highest grossing video game adaptation. It's opening weekend, it made $47 million, which if you look at the video game adaptation movie, the 10th place Resident Evil Extinction made $50 million. So this basically made more in its opening weekend than the majority of video game films yeah. ever. So, I mean, that's kind of cool to look at that, given that this obviously was such a popular video game.
1: I mean, the Last Jedi is still the highest-grossing movie of 2017, so I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but we'll see how that obviously plays out for the new one. Uh, the opening weekend, interestingly enough, the new films this weekend uh, that was up against. So this was on the June the 15th to 17th, 2001. This opened up at number one. The other films that opened was the esteemed Lagan, which made 285 thousand dollars. Sexy Beast made 170,000. Uh you had the reissue of Monty Python and the Holy Grail which made $45,000. Songcatcher. Oh that's coming soon to the Oz network. Uh $41,000. But my favorite here, Whatever Happened to Harold Smith, which made $857. Um so,
1: wait a second. You're like it's amazing how much money this movie made. Because the only other movies out there were Whatever Happened to Harold Smith and a 30-year-old Monty Python movie. And They're Sexy the ones Beast. that
0: opened. They're the ones that opened. Other movies that were was up against this weekend, I will say, that it had already been opened for a while. Uh, Atlantis The Lost Empire was second. Shrek was third. Swordfish fourth. Pearl Harbor fifth. Evolution. God, I love that movie. Sixth, The Animal. Uh, Moulin yeah. Rouge. What's the worst that could happen? And the 10th was The Mummy Returns in its seventh week, still making $2 million. So, uh, yeah, that's that weekend.
1: So, something uh, I just found here I wanted to add. If you go through all video game movies ever, because you mentioned it's like, oh, well, this is good compared to other video games. Um, every video game movie made from Super Mario Brothers on, uh there's probably about 25 of them here. The highest rating on Rotten Tomatoes of any video game movie ever is Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, with 36%. <laughs> yeah. That is the best-reviewed video game movie ever, followed by Resident Evil, the final chapter, at 35. uh, 34 for Resident Evil 1, 33 for Dead or Alive. <laughs> uh, this one is like 20%, and it's only yeah. slightly higher for the second one. So, I mean... I don't, I mean, yeah, there are much worse video game movies out there, but I mean, the best is basically Prince of Persia.
0: Which it's just, it's just fascinating why this genre just never takes off. It it really is. It just, how can they not make a good movie from video games? I just don't understand it. It just, it really is. Like, I mean, I may love this movie, but I'm, you know, I and understand on the grand scheme of movies, this isn't ever going to make a top 20,000 list of greatest movies ever. Um... You know, it's, it's interesting. I love how here at 41st on the video game box office chart, Postman Pat the Movie. I, no. I'm sorry, I, I lost my train of thought when the Postman Pat video game ever came out. Um, so, anyway. Uh, all right, so I'm guessing you're bidding this movie, Colin Hilde? Ben,
1: Ben, can we, can we create a new category? No joke, this might be of all the movies we've recapped. This might be the single worst movie we've ever recapped. I'm not joking.
0: Well, I'm not joking when I'm buying this movie. Um, oh, no! I, <laughs> I love it. It's just, it's just the fun I can just have with it. I just can watch this movie and just love it. Um, so, yeah, I'm buying it. And can I just point out, Mallory did want to join us for these films. She she sadly couldn't make it. She's hopefully going to be joining us for the, the new one. Um, but she's messaged me to say, I would buy it because I already own it. So, um, damn it! I missed out by having Mallory in this episode to help me defend it. So,
1: and you know what? We missed out by having Jamie, you know, only pop in when we started talking about Daniel Craig in the shower because she's she had never seen this movie and she was watching it with me. And with only twenty minutes left in the movie, she was like, "Do we have to watch this movie anymore? I'm really
0: bored." <laughs> You know what, I'm actually really impressed with the fact is that we're actually going to probably do this under two hours, and I honestly thought we would go for long with like us back and forth, but I'm impressed with us. Well done. Uh, so the next one we're going to be doing, obviously, in our Tomb Raider half month is Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's still fun. It's interesting. I, you know, used to think I liked it more than the first one. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that anymore. Uh, it's got some good moments. It's got some improvements. It's got some acting, which usually happens in movies. Uh, but there's also some things in it that I think kind of lose its way from the first one. But, uh, on the other hand, I feel you enjoy it more, Colin Hilding. I enjoy
1: almost everything about this movie more than the first. I'll actually have some things to really praise about it. But there's a lot that's still wrong with this movie, particularly you, you should not have called this movie Tomb Raider. It has nothing in common with the video games whatsoever, except for maybe a little bit of the opening sequence, a little bit of the closing sequence. The villain is just awful. Uh, again, hmm. for a decent actor. Um, I, I feel like I might end up defending some things in this that you're not going to defend just because, you know, this is the first part's kind of nostalgic for you, but, I didn't even see this movie for the longest time. I mean, it took me years before I even bothered to watch it, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And even rewatching it now, there's a lot of flaws I picked up on it, but it's that's I guess that's all I can say. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be.
0: That's generally what people say when they listen to our show. Um, so we'll be back, uh, probably, I don't want to say next week. I feel like I'm going to say tomorrow for this episode because yeah. we're trying to get <laughs> these episodes out, uh, because we left them a little bit too late, uh, to release them weekly. So essentially tomorrow, listen to our recap of the second Tomb Raider Angelina Jolie film. And I guess we'll tack on at the end of that. We're not going to do a separate preview episode for the new one. We'll probably just do a brief yeah. little preview of, the 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 reboot uh on that one too so like us on facebook subscribe you know the drill thanks for tuning in we really do uh, appreciate you listening even to the movies that uh maybe apparently you don't like <coughs> colin uh or like like me uh because it's awesome uh my name is ben and my ignorance amuses me <laughs> and my name is colin and
1: let me leave you with a classic quotable line see ya <laughs>